What's up, people? Welcome to a very, very special episode of Wrestle Update. I'm your host, Dylan Fox, and this is our biggest show to date, I'm very confident to say. Most important one. The one everybody wanted to hear, everybody wants to hear, I wanted to do. And of course, for the biggest show of the year, I had to do it with my partner, Nello De Angelis. What's up? I'm so excited. Two days in a row, Nello and Dylan weekend, Wrestle Update 2024. I am hyped for these awards. That's right. The awards. I mean, this is very prestigious. You know, there are a lot of guys who have awards, a lot of shows that have awards, a lot of, you know, magazines and newsletters, wrestling observers and all that. Um, But these are the main awards. I think if you're a wrestler, these are the ones you want to aspire to be a part of, obviously Mm -hmm. airing uh, all over the all over the world. Get listeners in all kinds of countries uh, all over the place on that red circle. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, cagematch.net. You know, in and out of the wrestling business, we're all over the place, and they all tuned in to hear what we've got to say and go through the best of the year 2024. And now, now, we're getting to the awards. The first, the first ever Wrestle Update Awards. And boy, can you do that voice again? That Let's Go call again. Let's go. Yes, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I love I it. Either. I love it. I, that's got me fired up for this. We got a lot to talk about on this show. So we have so many different awards, uh, different categories, and we split them up. Uh, you know, that way you get some shine for AEW, get some shine from WWE, you get some shine for alternative wrestling, as I've uh, called it, indie, maybe MLW, Impact, all the stuff that's not AEW or WWE. I uh, get their own awards as well. Uh, once we get to the big ones, we got some special awards. We're going to start off, start off with uh, some more fun ones because we're all about fun on wrestle update as well. Mo- most importantly. So we got a little bit of cool stuff happening here um, on the worst of the year. I will say that they won't be split up, so it'll be a lot shorter. <laughs> Probably just show overall. But for now, we did everything. We we looked up all kinds of things. We did a lot of research. We looked at different shows, <laughs> different promotions, different wrestlers, everything. How are you feeling about your picks before we get into them? You, you have your list in front of you, I presume, or you're just going to make stuff up on the fly. Uh, you oh, know, no, I, I got no the list. I'm so hyped. I am feeling good about them. Um, you know, I got I try to keep it as varied as possible. So I didn't. One thing I did was I believe I did not award any wrestler more than one award. Um, I try to keep it as unique as possible. So it's not just, you know, hypothetically speaking, Lexus King winning every single award without giving away too much. I think that's um, what I thought it was going to be on your your ballot, to be honest. So you, you've already, you've already surprised me. You're just pouring your heart and soul into this recording. <laughs> you're like, yeah, so this guy, and I'm like, you're like, what about you now, Lexus King? Okay, why? Uh, the beard. Okay, moving on. <laughs> no, no argument there. <laughs> Can't argue that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm very hyped. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I got some good arguments here. I'm very excited to hear your picks as well. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to see, too, if we have any that um, that are the same as well. Yeah, yeah, like crossover. Uh, also, you know, just a caveat for the listeners. Dylan and I have not shared any of our award winners with each other going yeah. into this. Both of That's us are true. going in, yeah, blind with each other's picks. 
Well, I, I wanted it that way, and I'm happy that we didn't do it, because now we, we could surprise. There could be surprises. <laughs> there could be questions. There could be debates. So let's get into it. I am going to get you started off with really one of the main awards. <laughs> you know, I think we got to start it and end it with the big ones. And, of course, <laughs> we started off with the best attire of the year. So this is very uh, interesting when you look at it. Uh, there's a lot of different picks. This is one of those you you can't just be lazy, you know. You can't just you know bring up a list or something and try and pick whatever cage match says was the best one. You really had to do it on your own. There are no attire ratings uh, unless cage match has a fashion section that I, that I don't know about. Maybe they should. You know, we we don't know yet. I'm all about the fashion. I'm a stylistic person, Nello. I don't know how you would describe your fashion sense, but I am all about wrestling in shorts. When I, I wrestled, I, I only wore shorts. I never wore the short tights. I hated the look, the all-black, generic crap. I swore I would never wrestle like that. I had to have the MMA-style shorts uh, to come in. I had some gloves and some other things that we don't need to talk about. But I'm a big fan of the shorts look. What about you? And what about you just in life? Never mind wrestling. Are you, uh, you, you, you have cool style to you. What's your style? Dude, I wear stash pages, mid-card merch, and some other, like, <laughs> wrestling merch stuff, pretty much. I love pleasures. I like brain dead. I'm a big streetwear person as well. But, yeah, I wear a lot of wrestling merch. Like, right now, I'm in a Circle Six King of the Deathmatch shirt. I'm in WWF Shotgun Saturday Night shorts. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> and I a love Bobby it. Beverly Ultraviolet Enforcer hat. So I'm always wearing wrestling merch, pretty much, for better or worse. I love it. Uh, that you 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 are my pick for best attire for 2024 just for that alone but for wrestling what was your pick for this year i'll have you kick us off okay so for this pick um there was only you know i was considering a lot but at the end i was like there's only one person that can win this for me that makes sense it's an outfit that they've worn the entire year in matches outside of matches it's their homer simpson you know white collar shirt it's christian cage in his turtleneck <laughs> the best attire yes. of the year for me um dude like it's one of those things where the attire is it a lot of the times right attire can be very cool but very rarely does attire uh, coincide and complement character so much as well um it's just a sleeveless turtleneck shirt to wrestle in is fucking hilarious and i absolutely give christian his flowers here my patriarch best attire of the year christian cage and his turtleneck what about you dylan i think we went totally different on this award <laughs> but i i also like yours a lot though because that the turtleneck is awesome for his character, uh, I love Christian and everything about him, and the turtleneck is definitely a big part of his appeal. With me, I had a couple of options that I, that I looked at, but in the end, the one that stood out to me the most, uh, and I I kind of threw a swerve already, <laughs> a ward one into this, because it is technically from New Japan, but it happened in America with New Japan Strong. The Battle in the Valley show, Mercedes Monet's Hanakimura tribute attire was my pick for the best attire of the year. Uh, I thought it was so well done, such a respectful tribute to Hana, and it was perfectly made, you know, to make it. And I thought Mercedes looked great. She had a hell of a match versus Kyrie. That was the one that stood out to me the most for best attire this year. I love it. Great choice. 
I like that we covered it from two different places. The best one night attire, uh, you know, the greatest attire of all time in a turtleneck. But dude, great yeah, choice. So I you- honestly um, like what a great outfit. Um, I loved the the entrance attire as well with the the face mask and everything. So yeah, great yeah. choice. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, so that that was my pick as well. There were some. There were a lot of good outfits when you look at the one night ones. Uh, I thought one of the cool ones for um, the men was like the House of Black at All In when they came out with like the white glowing attire all together. Uh, I thought that was really freaking good. Um, Zelina Vega's Puerto Rican gear at Backlash too was another great one that I thought about. But to me, the Hana tribute <laughs> had to take it promo of the year here so this is not best interview which we will cover later this is the best singular promo so this is another one i made you work a little bit about this one this is another one you can't just say oh yeah well so and so is the best talker you had to really think about it um what was your pick here so i did favorite line and best promo so do you want me to do both here or okay you you start with best line and i'll start with best promo how about that we'll go back and forth Sounds good. So best line, it was I could not pick. It it was a dead tie between I'm on the 96 Bulls. I got Jordan. I got Rodman and Pippen. And then you got Wheeler Yuta, which is just so great because it's like, I don't know, just the the amount of snarkiness of chicken shit. It has stuck with me forever and has really been the defining line for the Blackpool Combat Club for me. They are the 96 Bulls. Um, and then on the other side, something that maybe wasn't as, you know, over like just sort of bold. Actually, this is pretty crazy. But Adam Page on the go home for full gear telling Swerve. And I want you to know that every November I'll walk with my son hand in hand and we'll pay you a visit and I'll watch him piss on your grave. That is oh, a that's awesome. call breakdown, man. That I thought gave me chills. Um you know, and it again, it just stuck with me. It's one of those lines where it it's it's storytelling. It's not pro wrestling. Right. And I think that that's what I really like about these promos that I pick is that they're way more. I don't know, like just dramatic or just from the heart. Um, but yeah. Those were my picks for favorite lines. What about you for best promo? Okay, well, best line, though, I, I want to say you got to make a choice. You have to pick one here to give the true award. No ties bulls. here. 96 Bulls. The, the 96 Bulls don't tie, baby. They win championships. Exactly. And they, and they win awards. <laughs> Wheeler Utah, best line of the year. That That's probably a controversial take. <laughs> Hell no, it's not going to. No, uh, anybody, I will fight anybody who declares that a bad line because I that is a freaking great line on there um i love that that was great uh and i have no issue whatsoever with that that is the winner of best line i'll do my best line pick real pick and then i'll go right into best promo as well um so for me there were a bunch that i i thought about as well um but ultimately i thought about one that i really loved was uh, Mark Briscoe's well, when he was talking about for the love of the game when he brought that in because I thought that was such a it wasn't like the huge mic drop moment as the ones you had but I thought it was so heartfelt and wholesome and like turned a winless tournament into like actually kind of a good thing how he did it I thought it was really well done I love this the line from Swerve the MJF 
you do tryouts, I sign contracts uh, backstage. That was a major oh. like bop to me. Like I, I loved it. But in the end, this is in context of the promo, uh, and I love this feud in general. I know this is going to be a controversial take, <laughs> I bet, that I have here. But I thought it was such a stunning moment that they would even bring this up. And the way they did it was so good, especially how it led into the match. And I had to go, and I sent this to you, uh, this promo, uh, the contract signing between Becky and Trish, where at the end, she ends up going on and on about Trish's history. And she brings up when she barked on TV for Vince McMahon. And she basically says, if you think that's embarrassing, wait until you see what I do to you in our match. Woof, woof, bitch. At the end. And Trish, and the reaction also makes this good because Trish immediately is pissed and throws the table. It felt so real. That was the most real line, I think, of the year and how they handled it. And in WWE, you very rarely get that. Most of the best promos, in my opinion, are often from AEW just because they get to be more real and unscripted. But I think for a singular line, that was like a legit mic drop moment to call back to such a, a terrible angle. And like I, I, I didn't know that they were going to do that. And the way that they delivered it, the way Trish's reaction was so great to it. Because a lot of these great lines, you don't get a, a visceral reaction right away. But in that one, it was immediate. And that stood out to me as the best one. That's great. I actually did not see that promo. So I want to go back and watch it now. I need to. Um, that's awesome. So for my promo, of the, wait, was that your promo or a lot? No, no, that Sorry. was the, that was the best line. The wolf, wolf, bitch. That's fine. Okay, the, okay, okay. Yeah, wolf, yeah, wolf, the best bitch promo. Ninety six bulls. Put it on the yeah. poster. Absolutely. <laughs> now Becky and Trish's contract signing also was one of the best promos, but I did go against it uh, at the end. I remember a really good one. I couldn't find it online to watch again, but I wanted to specifically shout this out. If anybody out there has this video, let me know. Because heading into All Out on Collision, Moxley cut an amazing promo on Orange Cassidy, building it up. And he, you know, everybody thought, because the way he did it was so brilliant. He, every, he kind of did it where he teased like he was going to tear into him and call him a fake wrestler. But then he turned it around and basically put over how great Orange Cassidy actually is and how much it would mean to him to beat him. And I thought that was like perfect pro wrestling promo where with this one promo, you basically eradicated all of your opponent's detractors while also building yourself up at the same time. I didn't see it again, so I couldn't say I couldn't pick it in the end. But I love that promo and I'm sure it holds up now. But my pick, though, uh, was from a similar time period. Uh, Swerve's promo on Hangman Page uh, after All In where he talked about how he didn't have any fire in him, how he could have been the black world, the first black world champion if he had all the opportunities Page got. I thought that was such a well done segment. Uh, it had a lot of great things uh, to it. It put him over. It added a great legit heat to him and Page and I thought that it was just awesome. Like got you kicked off one of the best feuds of the whole year and I just thought Swerve was on point huge there. And I, I love that promo. So I'm going to go with Swerve from the September 6th Dynamite on Hangman Page. Love it. I, I think we'll hear those names quite a few times yeah. throughout this episode. Um, so for me, best promo of the year. You actually already mentioned it. Um, promos of the year. Like, I'll be honest. I We see so many damn promos on TV 
that some of the the feud ones get lost like that to me. Yeah. Um, what's always stuck out to me is your Takeshita Chris Brooks post match promo. These sort of softer, quieter, more fleeting moments that just kind of really tap into the human core and spirit. So that's why my promo of the year is Mark Briscoe for the love of the game. And I typed it out here. Yeah. So I wanted to share it. Interviewer says, sorry about that loss. I just wanted to check in now that you're out of contention for the Continental Classic. What else do you have to fight for? And Mark Briscoe just comes in with this sincerity. Hey, don't be sorry about that loss. You know, and I loved that. Like, it was just that, like, and his facials, everything he says is just so genuine. And he says, I tell you what I got to fight for. This is what I do, damn it. Pro wrestling is what I was put on this earth for. Dumb boys, the Briscoe brothers, the baddest tag team to ever do it. Let me put this into perspective for you. This is like my rookie year. You understand what I'm saying? 23 years tag team wrestling, the baddest tag team to ever do it. And now this is like my rookie season as a singles wrestler. You understand what I'm saying? There ain't no shame in my game. I had to do the Briscoe accent. Um, But again, this is my rookie season. That is one of like the deepest emotional lines that you could say. Um, And then Jay Lethal comes in, you know, little interaction there. Um, and he, you know, Jay Lethal basically says, we've known each other for 20 years. You know, our first match, my dad, my parents were chanting louder than your parents. Um, and he says, you know, so me and you now. And Briscoe says back, me and you, nothing on the line, nothing to lose. Kind of like back in Seaside Heights, New Jersey, 20 something odd years ago. My good man asked me here, what is there to fight for? For the love of the game, man. And that is. For the love of the game, dude, that is the perfect pro wrestling promo of the year for me. Um, it just it, it hit the core. And I think that a lot of the time when I watch pro wrestling, I'll be like, that's a damn good promo. But very rarely does it hit me in my emotional core and that little solar plexus. So I loved this. Absolutely. Mark Briscoe for the love of the game. Best singular promo of 2023. Damn right. That's a great pick. That was on my short list as well. Uh, and I definitely think it's up there as one of the best just through that heartfelt delivery that he has and that you uh, wonderfully tributed as well early on. Uh, that's the only way it turned a match that two guys at the bottom of the block, zero points, no wins between them. That turned that into like my most anticipated match of the tournament just with that promo. And it was phenomenal. The heart of it was, you know, it, it felt real. That's another thing. That's what I loved about the Trish deal so much and the, the Becky thing was I love when things felt real. Some of Swerve's promos early in the year, I think he's doing a lot better at this, uh, teetered too much into the comic book villain delivery uh, where he's like, nobody cares less about human life than I do. And it's like, what? Like, nobody talks like that. Why? Why are you saying that? Uh, but he, you know, he was able to really draw it, you know, through this page thing and through the MGF thing, like where he got much more realistic in his promos and something like that. You can't teach what Mark did in that backstage promo. And Jay was a great person to put, uh, across from him. They had a very respectful promo. Again, there was nothing, you know, there was no shade throw, no, no, you know, the closest dig was like, ah, my parents were louder than yours 20 years ago. You know, that was like a friendly dig that anybody could say. And it did, you know, and it, they reacted perfectly to it. It felt real and it might as well have been real to be honest with you. So 
excellent pick on your part. I, I love that. Thank you. All right. So move move of the year. You said you did like a spot and a move, right? Like yes, a regular finisher so, and a singular spot. So which so one do you guess, want to cover? And I'll go first on the other. So I will do spot and then move. Okay. You, you do spot and I'll do move first. Okay. So best spot for me this year. Um, my God, there was nothing that topped this moment. It made me stand up and scream and just like, ah, Adam Page drinking Swerve Strickland's blood from full year <laughs> was the spot of the year to me. It was one of those things where I'm like, I've never seen this. Like we've seen people lick people's blood, right? And stuff like that. I've never seen a man double a man over, lay down like he's going for a fucking Cody Rhodes punch and then um, <laughs> and then just hold his head and shake it while he drinks his blood. It was unhinged. It was primal. And like, dude, this happened in the first five minutes of the match or some shit. This, this is how you start a Texas death match. Um, I loved it. Ten out of ten moment. That got everybody talking. <laughs> for better um, or worse <laughs> for better or worse but i mean you look at i mean it, it, the fans were unhinged at that moment on twitter i mean you had people getting thirsty for that segment literally uh, on there which is insane but it for hangman and for the feud and for everything look at it, we're talking about it now in the, in the awards section so mission accomplished some, for something uh, for that segment uh for me i went with I went with EO's trash can dive off the top of the cage in War Games, which is a repeat of what she did at NXT uh, right away. But it's still nuts, though. Like the, the problem is this was a spot that shouldn't have been repeated, but she did it in a clever way as well, like with, with the assistance to get the trash can up to the cage. And it actually hit yeah. everybody, which I appreciated as well. Uh, I thought that it was a, a tremendous spot, and I will give it its roses once more. Uh, since we were not around five years ago when she did it the first time, I will give it to her here. The trash can dive off the top of the cage in War Games. Love it. That I re- I remember now that the you know like you said the build to that spot was very unique in terms of Dakota. Like I love the how the she it was almost like putting down the well bucket or whatever you know and someone yeah. puts the coins in it. But um, <laughs> this was awesome. Shout out great Sasuke, uh, Eo Sky, yeah. fearless. Um, Love this spot. Great choice. And I will start with move of the year uh, now to, to invert us. Uh, for me, <laughs> my pick was uh, the House of Black, uh, Dante's Inferno, not Dante's Peak, like you <laughs> said a few weeks ago. Uh, but specifically the double team version where either Buddy or Malachi have done both served this spot where they do like an alley oop. And Brody catches him and then hits the Dante's Inferno. It looks great. It always looks devastating. I think it's one of the best finishers in any company in wrestling. Uh, Dante's Inferno, House of Black, kudos to them. I know I was a little critical of them on the last episode, (laughs) some of their goth spookiness. But for just wrestlers, I, I really like all three, and I think they work great together. Love the move as well. So that's my pick, Dante's Inferno. Great. Yeah, great choice. Absolutely brutal. Uh, finisher has that heat has that intensity it always looks like murder and that's pretty much what you want to happen with a finisher for me i guess i went in a little bit of a different way not so much of an emphatic move as 
I think a move that really always has a statement and it's something that I always love to see. And it's such a signature of this group. And it typically signifies that level switch in a match where it's like, okay, okay. we're kicking into the high gear now. So my move of the year is the Blackpool Combat Club's Hammer and Anvil Elbows. Oh, I love it. I love the – you have got a great mind for this. Between the, the Christian turtleneck and now the the Hammer and Anvils, this – is like you are the real wrestling con- connoisseur, the real graphs <laughs> connoisseur right now, I feel like. You don't need no high spots or any of that cool crap. I just want to elbow people in the in the side of the head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, pretty much. Like, it's anytime they do it, I get excited. How They do it almost like the majority of matches, and then it, it's all the variations of it, right? They do the elbows, they do the foot stomps, they do the... Yeah. It's just that whole very i don't know i love the brutality of it and again like it's just the the position it holds in matches is always very exciting for me so thank you for the kind words as well that's right mr real graps nello de angelis right here <laughs> uh, now we go to my main event uh the the for the awards the best entrance theme music which like i said theme music is something i love um, I think, especially when I started wrestling and before I started wrestling, that the two things I cared about most were what was I going to come out to and what was my finishing move going to be. I didn't care about the technical crap or learning how to bump or any of that stuff. I, those were the things I thought about. And of course, with the moves, I stole so much from Here Comes the Pain into my move set that I was able to be covered on that. But for the entrance theme... Uh, I I spent so many hours thinking of these songs, and, and when I changed it multiple times, I still thought about it. It was like dear to my heart these songs, and they still are to this day. All of my theme songs I still listen to, like all all the time, and one of them still my ringtone on my phone as well, for the record. But I'm gonna ask you this question: Would is it fair to pick a song from AEW that is licensed? Yes. A hundred percent because then yeah, my pick, absolutely. Then my pick has to be End of Heartache then as the as the best song. Shut up. I was going to pick that originally <laughs> and then I was like trying to that's so funny just because I love that. I've always loved that song for Roddy. That's a great song and it fits him and it, he named his move after it. I think it's perfect in, in every way for him and I love the song as well. Yep. And I think too like if you really want to break it down right like uh, Roddy's played a, a very um comedic character but like dude his backstory is is very sad um with his parents and everything so for the end of heartache just in title right speaks to when roddy walks out into the ring he is able to find some relief from like this sort of looming pain that life presents like you said ties into the finishing maneuver and damn just shout out kill switch engage in general so great pick yeah what about you um so my entrance theme, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna do best entrance after this. Yeah, one. yeah. I'll invert it here. But for me, um, you know, this one I went back and forth on this a lot. But I was there WrestleMania live. I was singing along. It's to me a very unique entrance solely for the amount of crowd participation, uh, the sort of ovationary way that it functions now in terms of, you know, we'll see this guy enter a match for a world title. 
Uh, we'll, we'll see the guy enter a ring for a world title match and his opponent's already standing there and the crowd is singing for him for five more minutes. It's a great fucking scene. I had to go with Seth Rollins's visionary Ooh. and the fucking whoa. whoa. I love that man. I'm a sucker for it. And I think another thing too is, you know, I went to WrestleMania with friends that had never watched wrestling before. And that was their favorite part was just singing along to that. Everyone got into it. 80,000 people, um, you know, 80,000 people aren't singing some of the other songs. So I think that's really a testament to the strength of it. And it's created a lot of stunning moments again, like when Rollins walked into his match against Balor and it was just minutes of them singing it like that is some very powerful stuff. Um, Yeah. Seth Rollins visionary best entrance theme of the year. And then for best entrance of the year, this one was actually, phew, I watched a uh, Hey, let me just say one thing oh. about Seth. Uh, that's a great choice. I mean, that basically became his whole gimmick. You know, when you think about it, uh, it totally works for the entrance, uh, but there's a lot of great themes in wrestling uh, too. I did want to shout out to the Lucha brothers okay. theme, which is awesome. Uh, like uh, Alex Abrahantes <laughs> rap skills are very strong as he shows off in, in that song. Uh, in WWE, the Seth theme is great uh, for a character. Like you said, if you're looking at it pure from a wrestling entrance, that was really one of the best ones you could pick for sure. Uh, another one I really like is Pretty Deadly's theme, even though they suck <laughs> as wrestlers, and I did comment on them. But this like ABBA tribute theme that they have is totally unique to wrestling. Nobody else has a song like theirs. And I appreciate when you try to do something a little different uh, in, in wrestling and have a nice theme like that that's very... You know right away who that is. You know, with a lot of them, it's like a lot of guys have kind of generic themes, too. But I like songs that switch it up like that. So all three of those themes were great. And your pick for Seth, I think for an entrance, I think by far, I wouldn't be surprised if most of our listeners wouldn't agree with you. But I'll still ride with End of Heartache. Shout out Killswitch for for my song. But uh, still, entrance. Yes. Entrance. First, I had a shout out. I did a couple here that are non- that are within the world of pro wrestling, but not quite. Um, just to have a little bit of a difference. But man, this was a deadlock tie for me again. But I will pick a definitive winner. But the first one was uh, UFC 275. Or no, not UFC 275. Jesus. Um, UFC Singapore. Korean zombie, his final ever entrance and the entire arena singing zombie by the cranberries was just goosebumps. But my if I had to pick one, this was the other tie. But Bad Bunny backlash entrance. There is nothing that even competes to that for me this year. Um, Dude, when he comes out, the bump, bump. Bum, bum, bum. like the camera work the way that the drone just flies over the entire audience the entire audience is jumping up and down singing along to the song he comes out he does his pose he goes back reveals the shopping cart of weapons like dude this is the epitome of what a fucking superstar is and a superstar entrance so i had to give it this year bad bunny best entrance we have the same winner because that's exactly what I picked as well. Um, how could you argue against it at the end of the day? <laughs> I also think that uh, it made it even better because he had come out to the Booker T song and all of his other appearances. He changed it for that one to Chambia, 
which the whole crowd sang along with. Like that whole Puerto Rican crowd knew every word of his song and was singing with it. It wasn't like a whoa for Cody Rhodes yep. or whatever. It was like the whole freaking song they sang along with. Uh, no, it was so special. Yeah. Older Bad Bunny song as well, like not off his two most you know recent yeah. albums, which are definitely which launched into superstardom. So it was very much like a song for the fucking event as well. Yeah. I, I really loved that. You know, you could see that. I mean, it's really like long term investment. Right. And this guy that these fans have. So, dude, I, that's cool. We lined up on that one. Oh, yeah. Like that. Yeah, that was an easy pick uh, to me. Uh, you know, and, and there have been some good entrances, too. It's not like this is the the only good one, but th- this one like blew all the others away to me. <laughs> like the whole crowd singing his song. And he just had an aura. His heart. I mean, I know he's been in a concerts with a million people. He's one of the biggest art, art uh, biggest artists in music in the whole world. But this had to be so special for him to hear the whole crowd singing like that for this wrestling event. Uh, I wonder if he had any doubts, um, like you know, if they, if they would recognize that. But uh, if he did, he didn't show it because he he had so much confidence. Totally great pick on that end. So we, we both agree. Uh, other ones, I thought Osprey's Wembley Stadium entrance was a, a great entrance for him with the mm. super fireworks shooting off all around the stadium. And also a personal favorite was Brian Danielson's Forbidden Door uh, final countdown entrance. Mm. Uh, uh, that stood out to me as the best AEW one. But the Bad Bunny one was way better than, than even those. And uh, just the whole show, that whole show had such good vibes, man. Uh, and that was a big part of it. Uh, him being into it so great picks we finally agree on one i had the best entrance with the bad bunny entrance i think most people would have to be on our side on that one i think and now a very unique award the favorite wrestler there's no rules to this i didn't explain this to you at all (laughs) uh because there are no rules it's literally just who your favorite is. I don't care who it is. It could be the worst wrestler in the world. There are no rules who you pick here. It has to be your personal favorite. Who was your favorite wrestler last year? My favorite wrestler. And then so for these ones, I did, you know, one from uh, men's and women's divisions. So the two cool. people who I just always light up anytime they come across my screen. And, you know, this is U.S. based, only their U.S. matches. John Moxley, just dude, my all time favorite outside of Goshiyazaki. He is my guy, my old dog, Moxley. I miss him every day. He's doing very well in Seattle. Um, but uh, I, I miss him so much. Um, yeah. And then Rina Yamashita, our GCW ultraviolet champion, she has absolutely become a cult icon in the American wrestling scene. Um, you know, we see a lot of Japanese talent come over and they typically get pops and, you know, that that show recognition, but they don't have longevity, nor do they sometimes stay over here that long sans excursion. So to have someone like Rina, who, you know, was even on the Japanese and, you know, wrestling scene, yeah. never really like a prominent player as well in a, in a stardom or a Tokyo Joshi up until now or anything, you know, more seedling, uh, ice ribbon, etc. Wave. wave. Exactly. Um, dude, I, she's a superstar here. Like when you watch, um, her GCW matches, um, you know, she's ultraviolet champion the entire calendar year. Uh, all the flowers to Rina Yamashita, and we are actually getting her versus John Wayne Murdoch this coming Friday. No compadre. GCW, also uh, Mustafa Ali debuting, Andrade on that show. It's crazy. But, yeah. yeah. Shout out Rina and Moxley, my favorite wrestlers of the year. 
What about you? Rita was in my top three. I was always a big fan of hers when she was the ace of wave, but she's like totally different now. Uh, like as a wrestler, got full throttle into the GCW style, the deathmatch style. And she's always so interesting and entertaining to me uh, in every format she's put in. I uh, love her vibe, like great look. She's she seems like super cool, you know. Out of every wrestler, she would be one that I'd want to hang out with, uh, you know. And uh, great pick there. I can never overlook Brian. Like just all of his matches are so damn great, and I loved him. But I also thought, like, it, you know, in a WWE sense, like when he got his push because he was a lot of times he was doing the comedy stuff, which didn't appeal to me too much. But when he got his push, Gable to me was like phenomenal as, as a wrestler. And and I absolutely loved his work. Uh, He was one of my favorites for sure. But I, I think of the three, they're all great. I think Brian is the one I just can't deny him as my favorite. And I think he's legitimately one of the best ever to do it. But Gable is up there and, and Yamashita is great too. I always enjoy her work. Uh, I'd love to see her get a bigger stage at some point, uh, even just as a one-off, like something in AEW. Uh, I think that that would be really cool if you could do that. But in GCW, she's really embraced everything and, and doing some great work there. Yeah. No, great picks. I mean, Danielson can never go wrong. Um, and It's kind yeah, of the okay, boring so. pick compared, compared to Moxley. No, but. no, no. Dude, what the hell? Moxley and Danielson, like, dude, if your favorite's your favorite, it's not a boring pick. Brian Danielson is probably the best wrestler to ever do it. Um, so, uh, oh, by the way, pick. too, another thing, Moxley's uh, theme would be up there for me. Wild Thing is a great theme, even though he loses points because it's Onita's theme originally in my, in my, in my book, but still a great theme song nonetheless. Uh, I love them both. Best non wrestler coming in. Uh, who you got for this? So, <laughs> damn it, Ty, but I'll pick one. Nigel <laughs> McGinnis, I love him on AEW. I think he's the perfect rap bastard commentator. His heel antics never feel fake. Like, it's just very rooted in character. He hates Brian Danielson. His stuff is always on point. I'll never forget if fucking world's end when Edge walks up and Nigel's like, you're a coward. And then Edge is like, shut the hell up, Nigel. Yep. And he just turns around in his chair yeah. in the corner just immediately. But my number one, the winner of the year, this guy, he's a manager. Um, a manager who helped add a wrinkle into his character that's, you know, accentuated the entrance so much. He's our our king of the mogul embassy, Prince Nana. Man, how can you not love this guy and the sort of resurgence that he's experienced um in the past year man it's crazy i remember him in the original ring of honor 20 years ago uh, yeah. with the embassy um come a long way and the dance has gotten super over uh you got to give it up to prince nana a great player uh, i would pick him as well uh that as one of them but i do think uh i want to shout out oleg in tna just for the fact that Kozlov has returned to wrestling as a manager. I love that. Uh, no, no performance. You know, he was kind of just a record enforcer type of guy, but I just love the fact that he's there. <laughs> like no, no, nothing he does will turn me off of Kozlov being in wrestling and in TNA again. But my pick for best non wrestler 
I got to go back to where we picked what we talked about a second ago. It's got to be bad buddy for, for me. I uh, added so much for a short amount of time. Uh, his match that he did have showed me the difference between him and say a Logan Paul, who a lot of people like it. He definitely did good work. Logan did bad bunny is not near the athlete of Logan Paul. And I will, I will say that right now and be completely honest about that. But if you look at their match, they, it showed you the difference between somebody who's been a fan all his life and somebody who hasn't because Logan Paul couldn't have done the match that bad bunny did versus priest either. And the stuff on uh, Raw that he had building up to it was really good. I think he's awesome and a great person to bring in. Uh, not not as much to use in the 2K, but still, as the actual TV show, he was great, and I loved what he brought to the table. Okay, so you appro- I, I approach it as someone who just straight up doesn't wrestle. But never wrestled like, ever. Okay, but... I mean, dude, we, what was the match that we found with Prince Nana from like 20 years ago or something? We talked about it once. I can't remember now, though. He he wrestled so... one time, too, against um, I forget who it was, but he did a match that, like 10 years ago uh, on there against somebody. It was on Final Battle. It was like a manager fight, but but uh, they turned it into a real match, though, when they did it. Where is it? It's like, uh, but no, that that's a very interesting pick. I can totally see your perspective here of, you know, um, what was it? Uh, Bad Bunny not being a traditional wrestler, more of like uh, an attraction. So yeah. I can definitely agree with that. I vibe with it. He I mean, if you look at anyone who boosted the visibility like that, Puerto Rico show was, you know, catered to him, built around him. Yeah, uh, there's been no shows like that for a Logan Paul or anyone else. Uh, just great choice. Also, it was Steve Blackman, WWF Jacked number nine. Love it. <laughs> Love um, Steve Blackman, a legend in this game. What about best commentator? I, it has to be Nigel, right? <laughs> so, and again, this is where I didn't repeat any awards. So since Nigel was one of my favorite non-wrestlers, my favorite commentator team, I did the, just the team of Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman, but I'd pick Ian Riccoboni if you put a gun in my yeah. head, so pick one. But that is my pick of the year. You know, we said so many positive things about them on our final battle review. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. There's your call to action. Um, <laughs> but dude, Riccoboni, um, I think that a lot of people try to play commentator, right? We saw that with West yeah. coast pro and so a lot of indies and stuff like that. It's like, they are trying to imitate the voice of what a commentator is. And Rick Aboni has absolutely carved out his own and just perfectly fine tuned it. Um, he has the commentator voice without, with total sincerity. And I think that what we often find, or I do at least, is that the commentator voice, and it's totally performative. There is no sincerity. Yeah. It's reacting for the sake of reacting. It's popping because you heard Joey Styles or whatever, right? Um, but I think Riccoboni is just great. He has good humor. He has such a deep knowledge, such a deep respect for wrestlers as well, like the way he just talks about them. Um, I love Riccoboni. I think that he has been such a shining, bright light. I mean, obviously not just to Ring of Honor, but AEW in general this past year. What about you? Totally agree. We have the same pick. Uh, Yeah, like both of them, Caprice is great too. Uh, But Ian is the, the leader of the pack, so to speak. 
So I will give him the award. <laughs> Caprice deserves his role, roses. And Nigel is also great in his role as well. Uh, but to me, everything you said about uh, Ian, I couldn't I couldn't really add anything on. I really love his game, and I think he helps every show he's on. And that team is just great together. Uh, so good stuff there. I love it. Thank you. T- TV Rookie of the Year here. So how we formulated this, this is the one that I added a little bit of extra rules on. Uh, because picking an actual rookie is nearly impossible <laughs> at the end of the day in wrestling because you could pick somebody if you just go by the rookie like by age they could be 16 17 and been working five years at that point and not even be a rookie at all and if you're somebody who's a tried and true really really rookie like less than a year in it's really rare for you to get into any kind of spotlight, let alone be good at it. Uh, it's not impossible, but it, it's very rare. So TV rookie, we're counting rookie of the year on, you know, for their TV run. If they were on TV regularly before this year, then they're not a rookie. But if they weren't on TV regularly before this year, then they're a TV rookie. So for a show like AEW, WWE, wherever you want to pick from, it's a TV Rookie of the Year. So with that stated, and now that everybody hopefully understands, who did you pick, Nello? So, you know, someone that I saw, because I, I had to do a lot of research for this one, just trying to check, you know, okay, <laughs> yes. who's been where, etc. I definitely saw an auto, a lot of online chatter for Lola Vice, who you talked about yesterday. I have not seen any of her matches, though, but... um. So for this one, uh, you know, I picked a a men's division, women's division is how I approached all these awards. So my TV rookie of the year for the women's, uh, you know, we talked about her earlier. Sky Blue for me, um, from the beginning of this year to now, complete change in character, total investment in her. I I think that her in-ring has really improved a lot. Um, And then in general, I was looking back, you know, the previous year, she, she pretty much became a factor on Dynamite this year um before that she was very much on dark any of her televised matches were squashes you know three minutes and under against a jade or anyone else um so to me this really felt like her tv rookie debut year and for the men's dylan it just feels wrong to not give it to yuma anzai so i'm giving it to yuma anzai i'm sorry i just feel so (laughs) he's not even on tv (laughs) no but charlie dempsey might talk about him so it it, god damn it i'm just going yuma anzai like i (laughs) i struggled so much and i'm very excited to hear your men's tv rookie of the year i literally like i looked up so many people and just nothing stuck and i cannot it, it was like my brain was just screaming Yuma Anzai anytime I try to factor in anyone else. Um, but maybe Charlie Dempsey's a good alternative. So <laughs> yeah, maybe Yuma my- Anzai, you know, in the in the perfect world, I think Yuma Anzai would like become the president or become some super famous actor or just, you know, get so much prestige that he's on every TV network all the time. Exactly. Right. If we lived in that future, I would agree with it. But Sky Blue, uh, another good pick there for the for the women as well. I like that. Now, like I said, hopefully, I mean, she's getting a lot of time. Hopefully, she can really bounce in there and do some great things uh, going forward. Um, and then she's definitely improved as well, I would say. I, I think that's no doubt about that. For me, it's interesting. I went with a guy who... Uh, has not been on TV before this year, but he got his sign and he got a lot of cool stuff going down. Lola Vice is definitely somebody to look at. 
but she's a legit rookie on top of it as well. So uh, she wins from every aspect. But for me, I had to go with my boy Commander in AEW. Uh, always in this utility role. Never really getting a lot of spotlight, but every time he, he does something, it's great. He's great on the indies when he can really show out. But even in AEW, he's had a lot of great performances. And he's another guy where he's on TV a lot. Like, he's had a lot of matches on TV. Not pushed at all, but I I hope that one day he can be because he's really great and was, in fact, uh, a rookie uh, for TV this year. Great choice. Honestly, I did not even factor in a lot of the... Um, utility talent for AEW, like especially the luchadors, Gravity, yeah. Commander, all those guys that have come in. Um, fantastic choice. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I wish I thought of him. That's a great choice. I got to see him live a few times this year as well. And yeah, damn, he is just good. So for most underpushed, I think there's a lot of different ways we, <laughs> we could go with this, uh, this year. Um, Always got to shout out my girl Diamante, uh, one of my favorites. Most most underpushed needs to do some big things. They're doing a little bit more with her in ROH uh, with her team with Mercedes, but I look forward to her getting a TV push this year. Uh, Axiom in WWE, I think there's just money on the gimmick, the entrance. Like to me, he's got one of the best regular entrances in WWE with like the slow mo deal, uh, blur effect. Uh, great look, amazing wrestler. Uh, I love him a lot. Uh, Mako deserves a spot shout out here too. Uh, she was on very early in the year feuding with Roxanne Perez or not even feuding, but they built up to a title match with her. Um, Sadamura has so much to offer if you want to use her, uh, and as a wrestler, but it's great. But the number one pick to me was obvious and it had to be nameless goon number two in Don Cow's family. Also known as Kanosuke Takeshita. This guy should be a main event world title level player. And I love what the Derby match is great. Where one weekend they announce some stuff in Japan for him. And hopefully things are things are a changing for him. But this guy was this year to me was like a total wash. Like what was he turned? Uh, They did this stuff with the factions. Uh, I think he went way down in stock when he should have been way up. Uh, So Takeshita to me, the others I like a lot. But none of those, I feel like, could be a main event world champion. But him, I, I think he could as a heel or babyface, as he's proven. But hopefully that changes in 2024. But to me, Takeshita has to be the pick. Yeah, I went Takeshita as well. Um, you know, and I think that says a lot, especially with his big wins this year. You know, he if you look at 2022, he got way more television time and investment but no wins like this guy was yeah. using a Jay lethal and Eddie Kingston. And this year, it, you know, it seems like, um, it's big wins, no consistency background player. Um, you said it all very well. My underpushed woman of the year was Emmy Sakura. I think she has so much She's more a great to offer. Pick. Anytime you go to an AEW event, you know, and you get to see her live on one of the dark matches or even on the main show, she is turned on to 11 at all times. Every single thing like she gets it. She's a legend. She's a vet. Um, and she could be such a better utility player. Um, you know, like her versus Tony could be a two month long feud because their characters play so well off each other. And yeah, they got to pull the trigger on Emmy because as much as, you know, wrestling has proved that age does not matter. It's sometimes I think that um, 
they really need to decide, you know, how they're going to approach it. She, because also she's proven she is, I mean, just in the U.S. scene, right? Sans Japan, she's proven that she yeah. can be a champion. She's had a great run in Deadlock Pro um, this past year. Yep. Um, you know, I just, uh, I would love to see them do more with her. So Emi Sakura and Kaneske Takeshita are my two underpushed wrestlers of the year. You could argue a similar factor maybe at play for Mako in WWE. Is she still um, signed to WWE? Yeah, she was on TV. Like I said, or at least she she had she built up to a match with her and, and Roxanne at the start of the year, like uh, March or something. Yeah, I remember that. But damn, okay. <laughs> and she, well, I mean, that's really underpushed. You're not even on TV. How do you uh, not the, fucking? Yeah, dude. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she she to me is up there. Uh, like I said, my reasoning for Takeshi just stands. However, uh, Emmy, you're right about it. hey, uh, cage match. If you look at the top ten women's matches for AEW this year, like four or five of them are Emmy Sakura matches, uh, the highest rated women's match in AEW. So that kind of belays your point. Um, a legit legend in the business as well. Best gimmick. Now you can go a lot of different ways with this. I'm interested to hear your pick here because mine is way off the wall. So I, I want to know who you pick. So honorable mention, um, and this was like my favorite of the year was international champion Orange Cassidy. Um, you know, before he lost the title, there was n- there was no one else I looked forward to watching more on television at that point. I loved everything he was doing with you know the. Oh, my God, his hand and all this stuff and just the character work. And I know we differ a little there, um, but I I had to pick this guy as my number one. I don't think there's a more successful gimmick this year. Uh, Dirty Dominic Mysterio, man. This fucking ah. guy is is so like I don't watch WWE television a lot usually. But anytime I see this dude, I literally almost cannot hear him over the booze. He is doing it so well. Um you know, looking at when he used to team with Ray to now, like, I mean, it's there could not be a bigger difference. Um, I love it all. You know, when he's what is it? Uh, I, I also got to see him versus Ray live at WrestleMania this year. So yeah, him that's coming right. out in the police van and the Ray mask, um, him saying shit like, you know, Eddie Guerrero it's like a really good Dominic Mysterio and just all mm. of that stuff. He's really, really gotten down the character and I'm just constantly in awe of the amount of heat this guy is able to draw. So yeah, that was my pick this year It's dirty Dom. Dirty Dom. I love it. I loved when they really played into the jail stuff. <laughs> like he was yes. there for like five hours. <laughs> that was hilarious. And the next thing we know, he's like dressed up all choloed out. Um, it was freaking awesome. Like it was like that all stuff was great. The heat's awesome. And it's amazing. You have to credit the company for this in some ways because you took a guy, like you said, when he was teaming with Ray, there really wasn't anything there behind him. You know, on the mic, in the ring. He was just a really unnatural fit. But they took all the things bad about him and turned it into a positive by getting this nuclear heat every week on him. And turning him into an amazingly unlikable character. Uh, just awesome. Great pick on your part. <laughs> I love that. Uh, for me, again, I went way off here compared to you. Uh, some honorable mentions, I would say Nakamura uh, with the subtitled 
uh, stuff that he's been doing lately. The best work in his WWE career, clearly. I love the anime influences they they put on the videos building up to his matches. The stuff with the back was awesome. And something they still kind of mention um, for Seth's matches, that that feud actually did leave a lingering mark on Seth. They mentioned that in the Drew match on day one, uh, that his back was still injured and it'll always be there. So I like that. Drew, I love his gimmick of the tweener right now. Uh, you know, obsessed with Jay screwing him out of the title a year ago, but gone too far. And then the promo, yeah, one of the best promos of the year was, was him against Seth, where he was talking about um, he had to leave his family behind. And basically the only reason he needs the title, he's gone so far off the ledge is because his mom died and he had to leave her behind to chase this title and he has to win it to make it make all of this worth it. I thought it was such an emotional and great promo and perfectly fit his character of kind of bad guy, but also kind of good guy as well, like not fully there. It's very interesting to see what they do, they do with him. Uh, so I love and his performances have made that character a great gimmick. But for me. There was only one option. It had to be. The top Michael Jackson impersonator in wrestling, <laughs> Santana Jackson. I I love this guy. Whoever, I mean, just think about it. How do you come up with the idea of moonwalk into a DDT? I mean, sold. Like, you can't do better than that at the end of the day. It's impossible. Just such a, like, such an easy gimmick to do. Because there's been a million, like, Elvis impersonators in wrestling in the past. But never a Michael Jackson one. So I love the creativity. I love the way he, you know, he uses it into his matches and does the gimmick to his matches. And I think he's a legit Michael Jackson impersonator in Vegas on top of it, who just happens to be a wrestler as well. So Santana Jackson always entertained something completely ridiculous and unique and totally captures the fun of indie wrestling in a good way, in my opinion. Dude, I could not agree more. Um, <laughs> I love Santana Jackson. I got to see him live in at Jimmy Lloyd's birthday in Vegas back in February against Dark Sheik. Um, so good. That was really fun. Uh, dude, yeah. <laughs> Very unique and cool pick. I fully back and support this one. Um, <laughs> I, it's a very cool approach. And yeah, like, especially for this year, like, if you haven't seen Santana Jackson before, just what a fucking fun yeah too so good have they made it to ddt yet no i don't i don't think so unfortunately surely surely santana jackson has a spot in ddt him versus uh chinsuke nakamura oh my god would be amazing yes the impersonator of the impersonator of the impersonator of the original perfect (laughs) like million dollar buy match (laughs) there um but yeah, uh, Dominic was a great pick too. Great heat as well. So no arguments there. Most improved, I'll lead off for this one. A lot of good picks here too. Uh, I think uh, when they showed them on TV, uh, Zaya showed a lot of more confidence than she used to have on the mic. Zaya Lee, uh, when she was having her feud with Becky. Becky had some good matches, not just with Becky, but also uh, against Lyra. I thought it was one of Lyra's better defenses. I love the knockout gimmick they used on her. It's unfortunate that that was so short-lived and it feels like she's kind of on the bench again because I thought she really showed a lot of uh, great confidence that she didn't have before uh, besides the the ring stuff. Nakamura, I think, is way improved uh, from where he was at a year ago. 
just floundering kind of in the mid card level and through their push and their use of him and his, his ability to deliver these subtitle promos. I think he's really improved, but number one to me, I mentioned her on the show a bunch uh, and I'll mention her again. I don't think anybody improved in terms of just how they carried themselves, the gimmick and the attire, the wrestling. It was like, she was always kind of on the cusp of it. There was stuff in whether it was crazy gimmicks, injuries, deep pushes. It never quite fully clicked for me. And I actually thought she was kind of overrated when she won the title. But Chris Statlander really showed me a lot this year and proved that she could be like a top level talent in any women's division and just any company on any show. <laughs> like uh, look at her match with Sky Blue. Like I said, that was a match with somebody who relatively inexperienced and it definitely improved from where she was as well. But I think Stat has gotten so good and become one of the best people in that division and somebody that you could put in anybody and get the absolute best out of him. And she's like the glue of the division. She's not quite – she hasn't got the attention of a timeless Tony, but she's the glue of that division to me. can get the best out of everybody, and I think she's grown so much since she became the champion. And how can you hate on someone whose gimmick is cosplaying Ben Stiller movies as well? Great pick. Um, I actually had the same for women. Chris Statt was my pick. Yeah. Um, I've been a big, big fan since the Beyond days. Like her and Nick Gage, all of her old intergender stuff was crazy. Great run as IWTV, old fused with Orange Cassidy. And I've always still had that like admiration and excitement for her. But it's, you know, seeing people in the indies and then seeing them come into television, right? There's a lot of times where you can kind of feel like them not shake the indie stuff and really become yeah. like a, a sort of main roster player. I completely agree with all of your points on stat. This year was her like, she, shedding she, that final layer pretty much. She had bad luck with injuries too, that she had to overcome as well. I mean, it was tough. I mean, when you come in kind of your point, the alien thing, that just really didn't work in AEW. That's like a very indie type of gimmick. Yeah. Um, and it held her back early on. Then the injuries came and she could have floundered. You know, she could have came back demoralized. You know, things haven't worked out like I thought they would. Maybe I need to be one of the ones out of here and, and go back to what's comfortable for me. No, she didn't do that. She used all that time to improve and work hard. And just she is a badass in, in life. Her story's great. And in wrestling, she's become great. So, yeah, good, good, great stuff that you picked her, too. Yeah. And then my men's uh, most improved was Swerve Strickland. Um, you know, I went back and forth a lot, honestly, on giving him a more prominent award. Um, you know, uh, at the end of the year, he's one of my favorite people, if not my favorite person in AEW going in. But, you know, looking at the full calendar year, he started off with Trench and Parker, man. It was not good. Mogul embassy did not happen until about quarter two, um, you know, and he was then he had his uh, feud with Sting, which started to really raise it. And then eventually his feud with Hangman, like that's not to say Swerve has not always been great. I think since this fucking guy was in CZW, he's been ready to be a world champion um, and everything by the end of this year has just clicked. If there's one main event player that AEW absolutely made an established this year, it was not MJF. It was Swerve fucking Strickland. This guy is the MVP, but because of the first half of the year, I could not confidently or rightfully do that. So to me, most improved Chris Statt, Swerve Strickland. 
um, you know, at, this was the first one where I almost wanted to argue with you a little bit because my first thought was, no, he should have been like he was always great. Uh, and it was the push that improved. But when you kind of laid it out how you did, I actually totally agree with <laughs> the way. Now that you bring up Trench <laughs> and Parker Bordeaux. Yeah, OK. I, like, you, you won me over with your argument because I was about to say, no, I don't think I don't buy that. He was always great. <laughs> but no, like when you lay it out like you did, you're totally right at the end of the day. Uh, you know, and, and a great pick on your part. I mean, he's been one of the highlights of AEW the last four, five, six months. Uh, so definitely all he needed, and, and he could have been this. I still think he could have been this before, but now that he's got it, he's knocked it out of the park. Uh, so good stuff uh, there. So good pick on that end. Uh, up next, best moment of the year here. So this could go a lot of different ways as well. I'm interested to see what you pick. Promotion of the year? Uh, best moment. Oh, best moment. Sorry. Um, oh, wait. Best moment. I think my best moment was Adam Page drinking Swerve's blood. Shit. I think I might have oh. accidentally done that in <laughs> spot together. Ooh, okay, okay. Uh, best moment off the top of my head, then. This this will be really good. Um, Masha Slamovich defeating Nick Gage for the world title in front of her parents uh, in New oh, York. Okay. I thought was fucking awesome. That one sticks out to me. Um, Nick Gage, like, as a longtime GCW fan, something that GCW has really struggled with, God, probably since 2019, is having Nick Gage really pass the torch. Um, you know, he was champion for like 800 days, dropped the belt to Ricky. That was a great feud, but it was never like Ricky was going to be the sorry. I have like a hair in my mouth that I'm trying to pull out. Um, <laughs> Ricky was never going to be, you know, the next torchbearer. Right. He was yeah. a big at the time. He was a big international deathmatch heel coming over from big Japan and doing a big U.S. run. Right. Um, and then, you know, Gage drops it to Moxley after. So it never really felt like GCW had that new chapter begin. Um, the match was great. It was, I think, you know, one of Gage's three best matches this year, um, along with Jun Kasai and then his spring break match with Maki Ito against Steph Deland or Ali Katch and Effie, I thought was very fun. Um, Bussy, shout out Bussy. And... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It is really great just seeing Masha's family ringside. Um, the story that Dave Prezak and Veda Scott were able to tell on commentary. Masha choking out Nick Gage and getting a definitive win because before that, Cardona as well. It was RSP, Cardona, and Moxley. And with the exception of Moxley, each time someone won, it was through you know bullshit, interference, fuckery, whatever. So this was a really definitive moment in GCW's history. Um, it sucks that Blake Christian's champion now. Uh, yeah, I that's the, that's problem. what I was gonna say. Like that's the problem with that is that unfortunately they cut her reign short to somebody who sucks. <laughs> like and, and yep. has been has been a problem. And I will say this, I was not nearly the GCW fan and still I'm not probably nearly the fan of any indie as, as you are obviously getting out there and doing such cool stuff like going to these different companies. You have really helped change my mind on the indies in general, to be honest with you, because That's when cool. you came on, yeah, I was, I was like really negative on it, but I still, I still think our GCW show was one of my favorite episodes that we did, honestly, because it gave me a totally new perspective uh, on what's going on with the indies, because for so long I hand waved it. When the WrestleMania weekend shows come around, I, I watch all the GCW stuff. And normally I was like, 
kind of like we talked about with the new year shows for the TV shows. That was kind of like the new year for me. Like if somebody stood out, I keep my eye on them. And if not, they wouldn't. And a lot of times I just hand wave almost everybody. But they did a great job this year with moments like that. And it's a shame uh, for the reasons you said. I think they've used Nick Gage well, even though, again, I'm not as big of a fan of his as yours at all. But I think they've done a great job using him in a good way pretty much you know, t- you know, till the very end, you know, with the thing with uh, June Kasai on uh, New Year's Eve <laughs> they had. Um, but yeah, that Masha winning was great. That was really cool. I uh, got her up there in that, the PWI Women's Award, even the Men's uh, PWI 500. Uh, I don't know the rules of the 500. We went over that in our, our episode as well. But she was on both of them uh, there. Uh, and it was it was good. Great moment. to Anytime you get something like that, it's very like real, you know. Uh, that's something I look for in moments that feel real, like a real moment. Yes. And thank you uh, for the kind words. I'm happy you're getting into it. And shout out Ethan, who DM me on Twitter, um, thanking us for doing the Circle Six review as well, which was it's always really cool to see people stoked when we do the smaller companies just to to see that community grow. Absolutely. And look at these awards. We talked about all kinds of people in different indies. Impact, we shouted out, uh, you know, and now we're going to, to these guys and we've got parts for all of this. Uh, there's no rule that it says it has to be only the big companies on, on this show. Uh, Wrestle Update is for everybody, <laughs> pretty much. And uh, we've got a lot of love. And, and I'm glad that you had a good time. And I loved your story of your friend being shocked about <laughs> She was like, no, this is real. Like, is that real blood? <laughs> uh, no, that was awesome. Uh, so you're you're a prolific storyteller on your shows, too, whenever you go. So I appreciate that. I'm, I have a lot to live up to when I go uh, to, to, a, to a live show, how I'm going to tell that story on the air. I don't know if I can live up to you, to be honest. Um, oh, you're gonna you're, it's gonna be such a fun weekend when we cover gcw phoenix yeah. and uh vengeance day NXT. back to back that'll be cool yes my my storytelling might not be as positive as, as, as yours but we will see how it goes um for me the one that stood out to me uh because there were lots of good ones and there were some bad ones it's hard to say best moment is someone making like a five-year-old girl cry. But when Gunther made Gable's daughter cry, that was amazing. And they totally, <laughs> and they totally didn't capitalize on it as much as they should have. Uh, hopefully they do now that they're kind of setting something up in the future with them. That was awesome. Sammy's turn on the bloodline is what I think everybody would say. Um, just because they have built it and teased it for so long, like over a year, and they finally did it. Uh, we saw the thing on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this, but they made like a Grand Theft Auto version of Sammy turning on Roman <laughs> pretty much uh, where, you know, he, he turned on him. And they did the, the video game stuff where they showed a flashback of him getting the the shirt and everything. It was really well done. I don't know how they did it or who did it, but uh, it was clearly an emotional and big moment. I personally thought them winning the tag titles at WrestleMania was better and bigger as well. Uh, I, that's what I, I think I'd go with that. The tag title win at WrestleMania night one, especially even in hindsight, it, it got even bigger because they fucked up night two's main event so much with, with Gunther winning, uh, or Gunther, uh, that would have not been a fuck up. That would have been amazing if, if Gunther had won the title on night two somehow, but Roman beating Cody at night two was such a deflating thing for WWE, but th- the, the energy when KO and Sammy won the tag titles at WrestleMania felt amazing. 
And I even said it on Twitter after that night happened. I said, there's a lot of people in this crowd that now are now WWE fans for the rest of their lives after watching this because it was so well done and heartwarming. And I think that's something that makes things special uh, with that. Uh, But yeah, I'll go with KO and Sammy winning the tag titles. You were there for that. Oh, dude, I left uh, right before Charlotte and Rhea so I could go see World on Lucha. (laughs) Dude, okay, so... I left that show before Charlotte and Rhea took me 45 minutes to get an Uber. Um, My friends who stayed at the show left the venue and got a car at three in the morning. To me, it's not worth staying for a WrestleMania main event. unless number one. I've heard horror stories. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard horror stories about nightmare nightmare. But um, that's a great pick though. I mean, dude, Sammy and KO, how can you not love their story? If you love pro wrestling, that was, Maybe the only payoff we've really gotten with the bloodline. Yeah, Yeah, everything else sucked. And that's another thing why I liked it so much is because even the Sammy and Roman match, the crowd was amazing, but it was such a flat finish that didn't go, you know, didn't mean anything in the long term. Uh, The tag win was, like you said, a rare good payoff, which we got on TV this year or in pay-per-views. It in AEW, because we haven't mentioned them at all, we've got Indies, we got WWE, but what about AEW? Was there like a big moment in AEW that kind of stands out to you? Um, because there God. wasn't really Orange yeah. Cassidy beating John Moxley and retaining the International Championship at All Out. Oh wait, and e- um. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would have been that would have been. I said it that night when we did the review show on there that they fucked up huge uh, not having Orange Cassidy win that match. And look who look how it played out, AEW. We told you that. I told you you should listen to us, Tony. Uh, there. Uh, but you see, that's the thing. Like, and then when he won, it meant so much less than like if he had done it when they could have done it. But you got me ranting about that. Again. That might be worst something of, of the year next <laughs> next week. But, but that's no, the problem. Like, there's been no good think... payoffs in AEW this yeah, year. I'm really trying to think of like a big. Like the moments again for me would be more like, oh my, like, ad- okay, Edge debuting is pretty cool. That was good. That was um, good. Trying to think of what else. When Sheeta won the title from Tony, that got a huge and unexpected reaction and a really good match, too. Oh, but Sheeta winning they- the title from Soraya also on the, because wasn't that, was that the episode 200 or something like that? Like, that was a big moment in episode they built up to. Yeah, but both um, of those kind of got wiped away like really pretty honestly, quick. I would say if AEW had a moment of the year, it's the opening of All In. It's just seeing Wembley, yeah, yeah, um, you're size, right. everything. Totally right. I, I think yep. that that would be the defining moment of the year. Which for me is a well, no, you're I one million percent agree, and that was a legitimately huge moment, not just for AEW but for all of wrestling. Uh, that's something unforgettable. Like, damn it, they freaking did it, you know, and that's unbelievable in, in a lot of ways. Uh, but anyway, best promotion. The thing is, every pick we could have will be flawed in some way. <laughs> and there are Not some mine. picks like this. <laughs> oh, you, you you have a flawless pick. Okay, well, then you go first, then. This is just no, a no, pick. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Finish, please finish <laughs> no. what you're saying. Oh, okay, well, no, I was just going to say, um, like, there's some awards that are like this, where not that they're bad picks. It's just you could like no matter who you say, I'll have a reason why they're not the promotion of the year, pretty much. Uh, and I think it'll be pretty easy to say. So I really just went lazy with this. I didn't think you were going to do it. I just went with WWE. Like they're the biggest promotion. They've been the most successful. 
they've done some good stuff. I mean, for their standards, I think they've had a better year than a lot of theirs they've had, or just content-wise. There's been some stinky stuff, and with the bloodline, it's really started to drag, and I think everybody has kind of turned on it in a lot of ways. But you, you look at the Raw episode. We, we, we talked about it in the last episode. Uh, you know, there was a lot of good stuff on that show, and, and there, there's good things there. There's bad things. But I would say I would take them over AEW, and I think it's hard for me to give the promotion of the year to an indie just for me uh, when the gap is so big right now, unless they're doing, like, really consistent work. Uh, and uh, GCW even, I've definitely turned a corner on them. I used to, like, hate all all of them and all the indies and just like, man, this isn't wrestling. I hate this. But I'm not like that anymore. I've grown to become kind of a fan. Uh, again, I think you've been a big part of that. But I still wouldn't say they've had a great year up and down, and especially with their champion, who, as I said again, I'm not a fan of at all, what what he's doing. So what what do you have in mind here? There's a lot of other, there's a lot of good promotions. West Coast, Deadlock, Prestige have all had good years on their yes. own. Some bad as well. Maybe you have one of those as yours, but who do you think? No, uh, dude, great, great points all around. I completely agree with everything he said, especially in terms of like the choice is going to be flawed no matter what. And that's the yeah. big issue I also had with my show of the year, overall show of the year. Yeah, was true. Just like, that's a good point. It's going in with like I had to have liked every facet of this. So then it's like, you know, GCW, um, AEW was just with all the punk shit, right? Just so much inconsistency. Yes. I thought they really turned it around the past couple months of the year have been really strong for AEW. Uh, I disagree WWE, on that. Uh, the, the devil has been such a negative oh, aspect of it. That, and that, see, that, that's worse than the bloodline to me. Like is, is the devil, devil stuff. Very yeah. fair. I'm, again, yeah. I, so I should say I love the C2. Um, <laughs> yeah, the C2 was awesome. Hey, we covered every match of that on this show, people. So you can't say we're fake fans or we're haters because we gave AEW a ton of time. And the, hey, the C2 was awesome and a great they, – they did turn it around in that sense. But the devil stuff was like such an anchor, like a black cloud over the promotion, uh, even more than the bloodline, in my opinion. But w- we'll see going in there. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just wanted to point that out. Like, wait, wait a minute. We got we can't forget the devil involved in all this. No, no. Great, great point. Honestly, um, yours was a great point. Though, the CT objection was objection awesome. sustained. Is that the right thing? <laughs> Where it's I like, am not a lawyer. So who, how the hell would I know? Law <laughs> update. Um, so. <laughs> GC, like looking at it, WWE, I fucking detest the bloodline. NXT is that my sucks. least favorite promotion. We'll get Terrible. into it later. Um, yeah. So I couldn't pick them. AEW, too much inconsistency. CM Punk, GCW, Blake Christian, the whole cage of survival thing I thought sucked. Not the yeah, match, just the angle. Um, you made really great points. There are a lot of very, very, very solid regional promotions now. Defy, Prestige, West Coast Pro, Deadlock being the top four. Um, I've gotten to see some prestige in West Coast on IWTV. Uh, admittedly, I have not watched Deadlock. I really need to. I've only seen some matches, but it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the the problem is that it's such an established community with this lore and their own wrestlers that it really is getting into an entirely new promotion. Whereas a West Coast or a Prestige, they have their own stories, but you know, with an Alex Shelley or a Takumi Aroha, Chris Hero, right? People that I know already. Um, so I think for me, Deadlock, it's that little bit of a learning curve, but that might be my goal for this year is to get into it because I've never heard anything but positives about Deadlock. Um, so for me, I looked at what was the promotion that I loved the most this year, that every promotion has its issues. And when I look at the issues, I say, ah, 
that's not so bad. What's the promotion that had my worst match of the year will also be my favorite promotion of the year because <laughs> the bad matches are just as special as the good ones. Because Dylan, to me, when it comes down to it, pro wrestling is a carnival. It is the greatest art form. It is the synthesis of the six classical Greek arts, the seventh art film coined by Ricciotto Canuto. It is the all encompassing surface of all art, all performance icw no holds barred baby that is my fucking carnival it's my favorite circus <laughs> they have their own established roster i love my danny demonto my hood foot casey kirk brandon kirk uh god damn everyone dude tommy vendetta reed bentley john wayne murdoch Hoodfoot's icw american death match run this year has been phenomenal each show has, you know, a worst of the year contender typically, and then some absolute deathmatch bangers and low, like, you know, or I was about to say low and behold, you know, no surprise here, but deathmatch is probably my favorite style outside of just like really hard hitting Noah main events. Yeah. Um, and dude, I love this shit. They fight in chains. They have pit fighter where it's just awful matches of badass striking contests inside of an MMA cage with no floor. Um, you know, they are such a family. Um, you know, they suffered a very, very big and tragic loss this year um, with their referee SPO passing away. And, you know, to see the the roster and the fans really rally behind them, honor his name and the year with SPO's battle of the tough guys, Hoodfoot winning the second year in a row. They started bringing in some storytelling. One of my big issues with them was that it was always seven singles matches on a card. They started incorporating tag team matches, multi-man matches. We had Abdullah Kobayashi showing up this year a few times, which was really awesome. Atticus Kogar and Danny DeMonto's storyline. Um, just so much stuff that I really love from this year. And again, for me, by the end of it, it's like every promotion did bad things, right? They all had hits. They all had misses. And it's which is the promotion with the misses that offended me the least and did it make yeah. me rant on this show. And it's ICW No Holds Bar, man. I rewatched Malcolm in the Middle twice this year, and they are my Malcolm <laughs> family. And I got to shout out one of my best friends, Mike Von Doom, who made me. The promotion of the year photo for ICW No Holds Barred and photoshopping to Malcolm in the Middle. I sent it to you. But uh, yeah, that is my promotion of the year. Pretty left field, I imagine. But dude, I, I have the American Deathmatch Championship um, on the wall in my office with the Hoodfoot signed picture right next to my Kenta Kobashi bobblehead yeah. legends only. So yeah, shout out ICW No Holds Barred. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, they stopped trying to be a competitor and now they're very much their own thing. And I fucking love them for it. Love it. I love the passion. And I love the picture Mike made. Uh, I'm looking <laughs> to that was that, that that definitely had hit me in the feels. And I love that you, you I love your passion for Malcolm in the middle as well on there. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was all good. Uh, ICW no holds barred. Hey, I love the differences between us, vast differences. We'll see what 2024 brings us. Uh, I hope to see some big moments. Uh, everybody take a step up, you know, high tides, raise all boats or something like that. Uh, you know, I'd like to see that this year. And hopefully ICW gets some more love. Uh, best oh, on yeah. interviews. Uh, this is the for the Mike Work Award. Uh, to me, this was like pretty easy. And I like a lot. I mean, like Moxley, Drew in WWE is like the best Mike Worker to me. But no question, in my opinion, the best on the mic, Christian Cage. 
Like t- everything he touches is gold. There was no way I could pick anybody else. God, you know what's crazy is I didn't even think of Christian Cage just because I when I saw interviews, I was just thinking of like literally Renee Paquette. Um, so like in, in terms of it had to be backstage interviews, but dude, great choice. I, if I'm sticking to my rules of like one award per wrestler in terms of like, you know, I can't give swerve multiple, but I could give him one with another person technically. I don't know. Um, but Christian would definitely be up there for me. I chose Eddie Kingston, this guy, anytime I see him backstage in an interview, he's a great pick too. someone who speaks from the heart, just really, really great. And then I picked for the women's timeless Tony Storm, a character and wrestler who's, you know, pretty much her primary persona was built off the backstage interviews and segments with RJ City, Renee Paquette. Uh, what's her tagline again? Damn it. Um, Chin up, tits out, tits out, and watch the shoe. Like that was great. Her entire character was really established through uh, backstage interviews, uh, segments, etc. So those were the two standouts for me. Kingston retains for like however long he's been in AEW at this point now. And I thought Tony Storm, someone who I never really looked at for her promo work, um, primarily as a wrestler, like totally inverted this year. We've talked about, you know, sort of the the process of marrying this character with her in-ring um work but you know i thought that she really stepped up her game in an entire other part of pro wrestling that she never really had much of a presence in <laughs> absolutely uh case is a great pick uh, on the mic i think everybody would agree he's one of the best for sure uh, I just went with Christian, uh, you know, at the end of the day, just makes everything so good. And Kingston, he's another one. He brings a lot of passion uh, to all of his interviews, all his promos, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> like, he's just great no matter what. Uh, so great picks there. And uh, what about feud of the year? Who do you got for this? Feud of the year. And this is why I just gave that caveat, because so technically I gave Swerve or Heyman one of the moments of the year on his own. Right. With drinking Swerve's blood. Swerve, I gave most improved, but feud of the year. I had to give it to Adam Page and Swerve Strickland. There was nothing else that just really compared. Like there were a lot of big feuds. There were a lot of big matches. But in terms of a feud that I will remember a feud that even these two competitors mentioned themselves. That is one of those things where it creates a, a lock in the chain between them, right? These two are going to be forever linked from this feud. And I think that that is the greatest success of a feud is when it defines a period and moment in Beth, uh, both men's careers. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Swerve Strickland hangman page for me. What about you? Same pick. Uh, I think that was the top feud of the of the year. Swerve and Page. I couldn't have said it better about myself. <laughs> and the follow up and the the dramatic ending of it with the Texas Death Match really set it apart. Because there's been some good feuds in WWE. I love the Gunther and Gable stuff they did. Uh, you know, it was only for a month and it kind of faded away too fast. If they had kept that link going, I think I would have had a, a case for that as the best one. Like for a like a singular peak, that probably I was so invested in that to see what would happen. Um, you had Cody and Brock, which I know you don't like Cody, but for the Cody and Brock feud, 
uh, that led to a, a crazy moment with them shaking hands at the end. Uh, I just remember Mamaw and Ken's reaction, like, what? <laughs> like, nobody thought that would happen uh, on there. So that was very funny. In AEW, I I kind of like how the Christian and, and Copeland feud is gone. I still am kind of opposed just on principle of them wrestling so much because they've done so much in their career. But I think they've done a, a they've had a well-done job of that. I really wish we could have seen more like with everything with AR Fox getting messed up. If we could have gotten Fox and Swerve versus Darby and Nick Wayne more, because I think the part where they broke into his academy was like one of the best segments of the year. <laughs> I left him a bloody mess, but they like they ended it so like way too fast. And I think that hurt them a lot. You know, like in the AEW, it's tough outside of Swerve and Hanger. I mean, I just don't know. Like, you know, a lot of these feuds are kind of not. They didn't hit for me. A lot of the feuds themselves this year. No, uh, great point. I'm happy that you liked Copeland and um, Christian that much. I will say I'm 10 times a Cody fan than I am a Brock fan. One of my yeah, hot takes is Brock is one of my least favorite wrestlers. Um God, uh, <laughs> I still think but, the ending was well done of that, uh, at least because no, I don't like, like Brock either. Like I, I, I am much bigger fan of Cody than Brock, actually. Yeah, no, objectively speaking, hot post WrestleMania angle with the tag team match they set up and then Brock uh, turning lots of big matches on pretty much all their massive PLEs. Um, and then, like you said, a very big moment and spectacle little thing to tie it up in the end. Yeah, uh, hopefully we see some better feuds and stories coming out uh, in 2024. Uh, moving on to best tag team. <laughs> uh, I'm interested in this. Who, who, who do you have here? So my honorable mention was Bullet Club Gold. Like FTR had a hell of a year, but I honestly just felt like this is my own personal thing. Just felt weird oh. with everything that's gone on this year. I don't, I don't think they but, stood out like as champions. They don't feel like top stars <laughs> the way they did in the past like past few years, uh, I think the tag division as a whole has taken a little bit of a step back and them as champions are kind of the face of it. So I agree. They weren't my pick either, even though I think they're kind of like the clubhouse favorite for a lot of people. Yeah. They always have good matches. Like that's the thing is if I think about a tag team, that's had a lot of great matches this year. I put FTR up there, but in terms of tag teams, I've liked, I've liked watch watching wrestle. And I think this is one of those things like a Yuma Anzai, right? Where it's like, how the fuck do I pick someone besides the astronauts? Like I, they're my favorite tag team, like the past five years. I just don't know who else to pick. Um, but for the U S my honorable mention was the short lived pairing of Jay white and juice Robinson bullet club gold. I thought yeah. when collision first started, these two guys made the show worth watching every week. Their feud with F FTR. I, um, you know, their 59 minute match or whatever. I thought, you know, it was probably my tag team match of the year. Um, but my favorite tag team of the year, the two craziest motherfuckers that I just love to watch that have had great singles moments. Great. Oh, and I also wanted to shout out Aussie open. They were sort of my dark horse pick just mm -hmm. because they had, you know, Mark Davis had a lot of success at the beginning of the year as a singles guy. Aussie open had a lot of success in the middle of the year together. And then we've seen Fletcher find his own afterwards, but since they weren't quite a fault, like in that sort of unique way, I thought they really succeeded. But for me, Los Mazizos, 
Ciclope, Miedo Extremo, these two guys are just unreal. They can really wrestle any type of match. Great feuds with guys from Freedoms, uh, you know, multiple reigns with the tag titles, hardcore matches, uh, straight wrestling, war games, everything. These guys are always a blast to watch for me. Um, and again, like you said, I wouldn't say there was any big tag team that stood out this year. Uh, you know, there was a Sammy and KO, but... I feel like for me, it was really just that mania match. The stuff that happened after wasn't terribly interesting. And, you know, the the build with the Usos was so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I would not pick the Usos. You know, Judgment Day is not my cup of tea exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just listing off people that I, I've seen others say. But, yeah, for me, Los Mazizos. What about you, Dylan? I think KO and Sammy are close. Uh, but I wouldn't pick them because they were there was a few months there where they were kind of like the workhorses on TV and they did have an amazing match and moment <laughs> to main event the biggest show of the year as well, which counts for something. But still, I went a little outside of the box for this, uh, actually. Uh, you know, you, you might not expect this team. And, uh, you know, hear me out here because I'm going to tell you that I think they're actually kind of underrated. Uh, and you're probably going to say, nah, they're not. But for me, I think that if you look at the Motor City Machine Guns run this past year, and I'm just going to run through some matches here, and I've seen all of them, and I want to, and they were all good too, and, and some of them were great. They won the DPW tag titles from the Work Horsemen. That was a really good match uh, on the second anniversary show of DP uh, uh, Deadlock Pro. They had a match versus. Josh Alexander and Zack Sabre Jr. on Final Resolution, which was a great match. You had the six-man match with Vikingo versus Los Vipers. Uh, that was from uh, Mexico. They did a show. Uh, Impact did. They had a six-man tag match with uh, Josh Alexander versus Okada and Ishii and Tanahashi at one point. They faced the Rascals. They faced all the top tag teams in Impact. A lot of the top tag teams on the Indies, they had a match versus Violences Forever at one point. Mm. Uh, that would they be a great pick as well. Sorry, Violences they wrestled, Forever. Yeah, they, 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 they're one of the top indie tag teams. Um, they had the tag team Ultimate X match they did versus ABC uh, in April, uh, which uh, wasn't a great match to me, but it was very good. They just have a ton of great uh, matches to themselves. Uh, they had the, the strong uh, three-way match where it was Machine Guns versus Aussie Open versus Tanahashi and Okada. Uh, that was at Capital Collision. Uh, they had a match versus the East-West Express. Young Dung, Young Dung. Yes, that was at uh, Spring Break, right? Yep, that's right. I Thought saw that, that live. Match. Dude, that match was so funny because Nick Wayne gets busted open. Um, as he tends to do often i've noticed <laughs> hard cam side and i'm in front of him and i can see him on the floor pouring blood and you can see shana wayne opposite on the back of the of uh, the U- ukrainian cultural center so she can't see nick underneath the their apron on the other side so when he stands up finally and dude he has a massive gash on his eyebrow you can see her just fucking freak out <laughs> so i'll never forget that moment awesome but, like, lots of great matches this year. That's deep. They've had more, like, 
quality matches than FTR just by quantity. Obviously, the top FTR matches are better than their top matches, but I just think there's more for the machine guns. And I don't think anybody's talking about them as one of the best teams, and I think they should, even though they're still like obviously they're not in their heyday anymore. But if you look at the quantity of matches, the people that want to work them, all the young talents on the indies want to work them. You know, half of those teams I listed were some of the top indie teams. Impact, they've carried the company pretty much. You know, as tag team, Chris Saban's the X Division champion. Shelly's the world champion. Like, they've carried the company pretty much this year. Worked all over the place. Had great matches in New Japan, even in the American side. Uh, They were my pick uh, for me. That's, I mean, dude, I think that is... I love Los Mazizos, but you would also have just convinced me to change my pick. Um, Whoa, totally really? Right. In terms of no, dude, Shelly and Saban have had, I think, maybe the best career, year of their careers. Um, they've both completely turned it around just in general to Shelly is prestige champion impact. Yep. Um, everything, like you said, they're the definitely like the unsung tag team of the year. So I think that's a 10 out of 10 pick you have. I love it. All right. We, we sent an, an in-show swerve for the first time ever here, <laughs> like an in-show change. <laughs> Although I like Los Macizos, too, uh, on there. Like, I, I want to give them love, too. I want nothing to take away from them. <laughs> just just wanted to give love to the MCMG, uh, two of my biggest influences when I uh, wrestled myself as well. So I uh, love them forever, and I think they're having one of the best years of their career, as you said. <laughs> so good stuff there. All right, so now we're going into the show of the year here, uh, Thread. And now we're getting into these these last awards. A lot of these are separated, again, uh, kind of to AEW, the alternative wrestling, the, the WWE. We have a little bit for everybody here. So we're going to go through them the best we can uh, here. Uh, alternative slash indie show of the year, uh, who do you have here? Alternative indie show of the year, uh, I had... Gringo Locos, World on Lucha from uh, the GCW Collective. I went back and forth on the DDT show. Um, the DDT Goes Hollywood would also be another pick. Yeah. And then probably the Tokyo Joshi show in LA as well was just so damn fun at the Globe, RIP. Um, but yeah, Gringo Locos, World on Lucha, man. This show was just fucking cool. Um, like I said, I skipped the WrestleMania main event in Charlotte Rhea to come see this. Um, it started at 10:30 PM, if not 11 PM. Uh, you know, you had Dolce Tormenta versus sexy star, uh, only a 6.9 on cage match, but I gave this a four and a quarter. This is one of the stiffest okay. matches I've ever seen live. You had Aramis commander and Ray Horus versus Arez, like Torus and Latigo. You had Los Mazizos. Versus fucking Bestia and Damien 666. Not the best, but still cool to see, right? Negro Casas versus Tony Deppin. I've We've talked about this before. I've told you, like, watching Negro Casas live is like watching fucking Picasso paint, man. And they just wrestled a 12-minute technical match. Never left the, the map, pretty much. Gringo Loco versus Psycho Clown in a 24-minute Falls Count Anywhere match. That was just one of the <laughs> bloodiest things I've ever seen. And then the main event was El Hio de Vikingo versus Laredo Kid. Like, dude, top to bottom, this was just a really, really good show. And like I said, I struggled a lot with these shows just because it was... I definitely was approaching it as like, what's a show where I loved everything that happened yeah. on it? And again, well, I didn't love everything that was on this show. Like the tag team match uh, the with 
the best GS666, fairly questionable. But, dude, it, it was still just really fun. And because this was the last show of the collective, um, you know, there was such a fucking energy and gratitude, collective gratitude for everything we had all experienced that weekend. And it was just so special. Um, you know, we're in L.A. as well. So, you know, you have a massive Lucha community there established. So just everything was full, full force in this event. What about you? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, I always love those uh, Gringo Loco. Uh, that guy, uh, one of my best friends, is is friend with him too. Uh, so I have a lot of love and respect for Gringo Loco uh, and uh, what he's done for <laughs> to combine the indie and Lucia scenes. And that was a really good show uh, for me. Uh, I kind of bounced back and forth with this one. There's a couple of good ones, <laughs> like Bloodsport is always one of my favorite shows of the year, and this was a good year for it. But I, I think it fell a little short of some of their years past, in my opinion. It was still really good. I still loved it. I have a ton of respect for Josh Barnett, um, like I said. And I, I love the card he put together. I think some of the stuff could have been better. The main event was awesome. But the rest of the show I thought was all very good. I liked everything on the show almost. Uh, but I didn't love anything on it until the main event. The main event was awesome. <laughs> but everything else was uh, you know, good but not great, in my opinion. We've seen better blood sports. <laughs> Um, another show I really liked was the Prestige and Tokyo Joshi Pro show uh, from the end of the year, uh, Combat Princess USA. Uh, you look at that card, that's another one where like almost everything was good. You had uh, Mizuki versus Sandra Mooney, uh, Miyu Watanabe versus Hayan. Um, you had Taya Valkyrie versus Shoko. That was like one of the best Taya matches of the year. And the main event was a tag match between MK Ultra and One to One Million, uh, Killer Kelly and Masha versus Maki Ito and Miyu Yamashita. Like up and down, good matches all over the card, uh, and I really thought they did a great job. Uh, and you can watch it on the Russell Universe too, uh, on there as well. So good stuff there. But to me, I went with Bound for Glory. Uh, you look at that card, that had the big peaks that I think the other shows were lacking. Uh, the main event was Alex Shelley and Josh Alexander, which was a great match. Um, you had Osprey versus Mike Bailey which is really beloved that had like over five stars from Meltzer. I wouldn't go that high on it, but it was really good though. Uh, and the main event I thought was great uh, as well. Like kind of underrated in its own right. Uh, the tag match with the rascals versus ABC, uh, Ace Austin and Chris Bay are a great team in their own right. The best Kenta match of the year uh, by a million miles with Chris Saban <laughs> for the X division title. Um, the, the gauntlet deal was dumb, but also kind of fun. Again, we saw the emergence of Oleg, <laughs> formerly Klaslov and that, which I appreciated, um, you know, good show up and down. It felt like it felt like a big show, too, which I appreciated. And some of these indie shows kind of struggle with that, in all honesty, even the TJPW and, and Prestige. So that didn't have the feeling of a major event. And I mean, there was no title matches on or anything like that. Here you had all the titles, special matches, surprises and a dream match with Osprey and Bailey to a lot of fans. So I went about for glory as, as mine. That's a great choice. I still need to watch Bailey and Osprey. Um, great pick. Yeah, it's worth a look. Uh, I would say uh, Bailey doing a lot of great things on the Indies as well uh, th this year. Um, you know, really respect, uh, really respect uh, Mike Bailey. Uh, AEW uh, sh uh, show here. Uh, what have we got? So my pick for AEW show of the year was Forbidden Door. Um, again, looking at it, it's like the show where I thought it had the most success. Um, 
your like least offensive MJF world title um, defense, I would say post Danielson this year uh, with yeah. him facing Hiroshi Tanahashi. Decent, you know, yeah, that, good match yeah. still. Punk Kojima, uh, my favorite four way of the year above the Pillars four way Cassidy, Garcia, Shibata, and Zack Sabre Jr. Super underrated. Um, Sonata versus Jack Perry. I was not as down on this match as a lot of people were. I liked it. I gave it three and a half. Um, you had you are a noted Jack Perry super fan, so not surprising. <laughs> we'll see. Come the worst of show. Uh, <laughs> the Elite Kingston and Ishii versus Blackpool Combat Club Takeshita and Umino. That was great. Bad ass. <laughs> Tony Storm versus Willow. Again, I like this match a lot. You know, crowd really wanted Willow to win. She didn't, but I liked it. Osprey Omega. Enough said. Um, you know, the big, the only really blip on this show was that. Darby Sting and Naito versus Jericho Appreciation Society match. Um, or Darby Sting and Naito, yeah, versus Suzuki and JAS. And then your main event of Danielson and Okada. Like, that's just such a solid show. Um, you know, with AEW pay-per-views, they can feel very long. But I just remember being into this one throughout the entire time, with the exception of the penultimate match with Jericho and Sammy. The four-way match for the international title was great. On that show, too, with Shibata and Zach. Yeah, I love it. And uh, another one of your favorites, CM Punk versus Satoshi Kojima on there uh, as well. Kojima. Kojima. That was a good match. (laughs) It was. Yeah, like I said, we, we we'll give credit where it's due. Like we're feeling we're hey, feeling generous this new year. His last <laughs> match in AEW two against Joe, I remember we when we reviewed all in. That was a great yeah. match, you know. Yeah, that that was good. Like I said, we're we're feeling good this year. We're not we're not holding grudges until next <laughs> week. We <laughs> probably um, for me, I went with All Out as my favorite, and a big part of this was the feeling of it in a lot of ways because. Uh, even though I wish this, the ending had been different, uh, if if Cassidy had won, this would have been like an easy pick for me. But I still vote for this. Just look at the card. And remember, this match or this show had so much negativity going into it because there was literally no promotion for it, pretty much. <laughs> like nobody expected anything from this show. The world champion wasn't on it. We were a week after All In, their biggest show ever. And everyone just saw this as a lame duck show. <laughs> and then when you watch it, you get Lucha, Soros, and Darby Allen, probably one of the best Lucha Soros matches. Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs, the beef match. Brian Danielson and Ricky Starks, the strap match, which is one of my favorite matches of the year. Uh, Takeshi and Kenny Omega, which was an amazing match. And then the main event was, again, I disagree with the finish, but it was a freaking awesome match. Uh, with Moxley and Cassidy. Uh, Meltzer had two matches at five stars, six matches at over four stars, and two four and a half stars as well. Uh, this was a great show. And I just, uh, like I said, the vibe of it, it felt like every single person on the show was motivated <laughs> to make people know that maybe it was a lamed up show to the people booking this company. But to the wrestlers, it is a big deal. And anybody who bought a ticket and watched this show or bought it online and watched this show, then we are going to give you the best damn show and make anybody who skips it regret it. And I think they accomplished it with a great show. 
Yeah, great point, too, about it being, you know, the back-to-back pay-per-view, essentially. Um, this and Wrestle Dream were so close. It, it was really down yeah. to those three shows. For yeah, me, me the, the only things that kept this from being my favorite was the opening Ring of Honor tag title match. Um, oh, yeah. That, Taylor, that was, that Shane Taylor, Samoa Joe, and then yep. the semi-main of the eight-man tag. And, dude, those are nitpicks. And, again, because yeah. it had to come down to that where it's like, okay, this match had one – this show had one match I didn't like. This one had three I didn't care for, right? But, dude, such a great show. This really was, especially bouncing off All In and the punk news, and how are they going to survive a Chicago fucking uh, main event, essentially, yeah. in Chicago? And they answered all of those questions very well with this pay-per-view. That's yeah. a great the point. I totally forgot. to Wrestle Dream was yeah. a great season. Yeah, I totally forgot about the punk thing. <laughs> like this was that that yeah. Like you're totally right. Oh, that makes me even more confident. Uh three matches at over nine out of ten <laughs> on cage match as well. Um so yeah, great show. And Forbidden Door was great too. Um I wish we could have seen uh without the arm break at, at the end and, and stuff. Uh, if they could have got by that, maybe that main event would have elevated and reached the level that we wanted. Um it depends on what you think of the Wrestle Kingdom match, I guess, because there's conflicting opinions on that uh, going in there. What about WWE Show of the Year? What was your pick for this? Or maybe I'll go first for this one. I don't want to have you go first all the time. I, I got to do something <laughs> on this show. <laughs> no, <laughs> do it, do it. There are a lot of good picks here. The PLEs were mostly good, at least. Some of them were kind of lame. <laughs> I will admit that. And obviously, something like SummerSlam is known for the finish, which was all-time bad. <laughs> I think no matter how big of a fan you are. For me, though, the one that I had the most fun watching and I enjoyed the most was Backlash. We mentioned it earlier. Uh, the vibe on that show, even more than WrestleMania, was so special, so spectacular. No matter where they've went since, what other country they go to, or wherever they go, if they go to if they go to Mars to have a show, it still won't feel as special as this did. Uh, the fans were just ungodly hot, like they needed this for years. They hadn't had a major show there, like a PLE there, um, since 2005, and yet when you look at it, Puerto Rico is one of those really underrated like wrestling markets in general, their companies have still lasted all these years. They've been around for decades and decades. <laughs> they used to be really popular and super hot. Uh, the island has gone through some tough times over the years. And uh, it, uh, it's, a, it's a country that has a special place in my heart anyway. Um, you know, uh, my ex-fiance was from Puerto Rico. I have a lot of memories of the whole island um, you know, and I just I felt like when I was watching that show, I was getting emotional watching it, thinking about all kinds of stuff from the island and the people there that I love so much. Uh, and then just to see the quality of the matches were so good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. The entrances, it felt special. And uh, yeah, uh, Grita Puerto Rico, uh, te amo, sois una familia. What do you think? That's a great pick. Um. I love the the personal factor that you bring into it. My choice also has that. Um, yeah. Looking back at this event, I I did not watch Backlash. I think I came in. We started reviewing WWE shows like in June, I think, or something. So I feel like that's when I came back in. But 
also uh, backlash. It was, it was it was around July. I think our first show July. we did for our first pay per view was uh, SummerSlam because well, me and Scott, our first ever episode. This is behind the scenes. The first ever episode of Wrestle Update was me and Scott doing backlash, but a bunch of behind the scenes crap happened, uh, so we never actually aired that episode. Um, and that was actually even on video. But one day we'll air it. And uh, I, by the way, Wrestle Update fans, uh, Scott might come back soon. Uh, by the way, we, we're having talk good, good productive talk, so we might get the, the all three of us together, which could be a lot of fun uh, soon. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've been I've been hoping for it the whole time. The OG and my main man Nello together. <laughs> um. Hell yeah. Scott, hope to have you back for the Rumble, man. That would be a blast. Um, yeah. The backlash, I think, too, is very monumental in the grand scheme for it really ushered in this new era of PLEs that we've seen this past year. Um, you know, like, oh, God, Clash at the Castle was before it, huh? Damn it. But along the same lines, you know, like Clash, uh, Backlash, the Montreal show, like, these international PLEs that have brought so much more allure to WWE outside of the big four and honestly have kind of, you know, in certain cases, superseded and taken, you know, precedence and spectacle over Survivor Series or, uh, you know, fucking SummerSlam now. Um, I thought Backlash was a great show. My WWE show of the year was day one of WrestleMania 39. Um, yeah. I was there live. It was my first ever WrestleMania live bucket list inner child moment for me. Austin Theory and John Cena fucking sucked. But outside of that, <laughs> some really fun matches. Getting to see Ray versus Dominic live was probably the coolest thing. Um, the scene Trish, Lita and Becky team up was very cool. I think they had the four way men's tag showcase. That was like a secret little banger. And then going back and watching the two matches that I missed, you know, Charlotte Rhea and KO Sammy versus the Usos were both great many events. So yeah, I, I really liked that show. Um, I thought that was my favorite WWE show of the year. Great pick. They would have been my second choice. I, I like night one better than night two. <laughs> for sure. And it felt like a true event and true spectacle. Um, so with that said, we've laid all of our shows out. What is your overall show of the year? I feel like this is now we're in like the, the second tier of awards. Welcome to the main event awards. Yeah. <laughs> my, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll do it. No problem. When I look at the awards, as you look at the show of the year, although we had the personal touch of doing the show, all of the past stuff in my life and all the love I have for Puerto Rico, I cannot go against. I had to go with All Out as my show of the year. Just three banger matches and one of which, I mean, the Omega Takeshita match was freaking amazing in its own right. Uh, Brian and Ricky was like a match of the year level match to me, and the main event was incredible. Um so I went with All Out as my show of the year. I can't deny it. Ah, I love it. I mean, again, like the personal touch you brought into it is really beautiful. I think that that says a lot more than just, oh, I like these matches. I like those matches. So thank you for sharing that. Um, for me, again, I try to just pick a different one for each. This was probably the hardest for me. And really, I wish, wish, wish I got to watch the Nick Gage Invitational um, from December 30th before this. But I just did not have time. Only because on paper, I think that looked like it could have been my show of the year. But very closely aligned with it, my show of the year, GCW's Tournament of Survival 8. Uh, you know, what I really appreciated this year, they did a very unique approach. Um, you know, they did four, uh, four first round matches, but each one was a triple threat. 
each sort of highlighting a very different region, style, or group of people. You know, so the first match was Ciclope versus Green Phantom versus Miedo Extremo. Uh, GCW debut for Green Phantom. I had never seen him before. Very tall dude. Lucha guy. Really fucking cool. This was bloody as hell. After that, you had Toru Segura versus Tomoya Harada versus Joey Janela, which was crazy. John Wayne Murdoch versus Matt Tremont versus El fucking Desperado in his first ever death match, which was so cool. Despy is one of my favorite guys this year, too. And then you had Rina Yamashita versus Casey Kirk versus Sawyer Wreck, which was a very special match. Uh, semifinals, Rina Yamashita versus Toru Sugira, as well as John Wayne Murdoch versus Ciclope, which is maybe that was the only lower highlight of the show. And then the finals, Rina Yamashita versus John Wayne Murdoch with Rina winning. Uh, just fucking great, great show in the end. Like this was very much um, a beautiful tribute to everything Rina has done and accomplished so far in the company and the success that she's been able to find and to win the TOS as the ultra violent champion, you know, it's like Bishamon winning the world tag league. So for me, this was just a really enjoyable show pretty much every year. TOS is my low key WrestleMania. And, you know, I'm actually pretty happy to say, so I'm skipping the collective this year in Philadelphia, the shows to get announced, uh, progress, defy Tokyo, Joshi DDT are all back. Um, which is cool to see on the collective, but I feel like I got to see a very good amount of that last year. I mean, I've seen all of those companies live on their own exclusive shows now, Sans Progress, which, fuck, I'm not clamoring for that by any means. <laughs> um, so I'm actually going to be trying to go to Atlantic City in June instead for TOS 9, baby. So, yeah, what uh, that, that was my show, man. I fucking loved it. Awesome. I uh, can't wait for the report when you do go. Uh, hopefully no no stories about uh, Jersey when you come there or any casinos <laughs> in Atlantic City. Well, oh, I don't want I you to lose wait. everything. <laughs> I'll be calling from a payphone. Hey, Dylan, so I lost my cell phone and laptop at the black chop t- uh, blackjack table, so I'll be calling in today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I will be there for you, my friend, if that does happen. What else are friends for? <laughs> Ultimately, uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that <laughs> overall. Um, special award now. Uh, we're getting to the match of the year. Uh, a non-U.S. match of the year. Uh, so this is a little bit educational. Maybe if you're listening and you're not somebody who's a fan of outside American wrestling, this gives you a little, little sneak peek, a little recommendation from the, the W crew right now. What's your non-U.S. match of the year? This was very easy. This is my overall match of the year. Kento Miyahara versus Katsuhiko Nakajima. Noah's one-night dream. Uh, it's all in the name of the show. This really was a one-night dream. Um, this is Alfred Hitchcock if he was a wrestler. Not a single move, breath, moment, uh, anything is wasted. Every single thing has intent behind it hard-hitting so much drama one of the craziest croc and hall crowds in fucking years um this was my match of the year what about you that's definitely up there for me uh i went with volador jr versus angel de oro from cmlo anniversario nice. 90 uh now this match is so special to me <laughs> it will not hit the same unless you followed the story in my opinion uh, that they had going into it <laughs> because on the same show they did the Relevo Suicidas match which is like okay so in that match Volador Jr. and Angel de Oro teamed up together and 
they were in a match where if you won, you would then fight each other immediately in uh, a Puesta's match, like hair versus hair, mask versus blah, blah, blah. Uh, so they won, and they had already worked the tag match, and they got to the singles match, and very almost immediately, Volador suffered a broken arm during the match. And, and did he stop? No, he refused. And they kept going for a good... It wasn't especially long because they'd already done the tag match, but they went about 13, 14, 15 minutes. And they just had an amazing match. And especially from Volador, the emotion was off the charts. Arena Mexico, it cannot be replicated uh, with their their crowds that they have. When they're passionate about something, there's nothing like it in wrestling. And they showed it once again here. Volador was absolutely amazing. MVP of the year level performance from him. Angel de Oro was a great Rudo against him. Uh, they did a little spot teasing with him and the doctor where he tried to play heel and it all ended in a very climactic and perfect finish. So I thought that had everything, all the stakes to it. Kento and Nakajima was excellent and definitely up there. And if I rolled up on, you know, if I woke up on another side of the bed today, I might've picked that, but instead I went with Volador and Angel de Oro shout out to them. Get a little Lucha love here. Yeah, no, if you have a link for that, I would love to see that one. Um, that I love the story behind it. Uh, you know, it just the just whole setup the whole of the, yeah, the tag match. If you have a link to the show, please, please send it. I would love to watch. Um, I, I always love, I'm a sucker from, uh, shows and matches where it's the tag match that goes into the final. I think of, uh, what is it? Suka versus Sakushi Haruka as well. Um, and their whole retirement show or just how they doubled that up, um, was really great. I would also like to shout out Saray versus Orisa Nakajima, uh, Fujita That's Jr. and Masaaki Mochizuki versus Akuto Hidaka and Fuminori Abe from Michinoku Pro. Uh, Yuji Okabayashi versus Yuya Aoki, mm-hmm. BJW Endless Survivor. And then um, Crazy Lovers versus Astronauts from the Sekuyu Tag League Finals or Semifinals. And then this is kind of one that I feel like didn't get a lot of love, but this is in my top 10 of the year. My number 10 is the 37 Kamiina versus Harimau from DDT Judgment. They do the brawl throughout all of Karakun. I thought it's the very best of DDT. Mao Shunma seeing Higuchi in this role was fucking crazy. Uh, I really love that match. So those are my other shout outs for non-US match of the year. Yeah, check those out. Uh, it's worth uh, expanding your reach if you're a wrestling fan. <laughs> You'll get some really good stuff with all those matches. What is your alternative slash indie match of the year? Well, since I went first for non-US, you want to take this one? Okay, so there was a lot of good ones this year. This is another one where the only thing holding you back is the amount of time you have, I think, ultimately. Uh, Because there were a lot of different promotions and a lot of different things that uh, you can watch. For me, a couple that I really liked uh, from uh, WrestleCon, the triple threat match between uh, EO Vikingo, Commander, and Black Taurus was so good, way better than Vikingo and Taurus's singles match or the Vikingo and Commander singles match at the Ring of Honor show and obviously the Vikingo and Black Taurus match at the end of the year. The triple threat between those uh, was so damn great. Um, well worth going out of your way to see. Uh, another match I really loved was Chris Hero and Timothy Thatcher from West Coast Pro. Mm. Um, and I loved that match uh, because it reminded me of their DG USA match. Uh, which is like a legendary indie match for me from 2015 <laughs> where the crowd rallied behind uh, Thatch and it was amazing. This wasn't as great as that, 
but I still really liked it uh, overall. My uh, my top pick, though, uh, the one that I will give my alternative match of the year to is uh, I will give it to Jay Malachi versus Lucky Ali for the Deadlock Pro World Title Carolina Warfare match. Uh, and it kind of plays off of my non-US pick because this is another one. In the semi-main, they had uh, a, a fatal four-way match with Malachi, Jake Something, Mike Bailey, and Filthy Tom. And that was a great match, too. <laughs> a lot of people might say that might even better be better than this, but I'm a sucker for the big ending. And so Jay Malachi won that, and they had had the tournament through the whole show. So Malachi won three matches in one night and got to Lucky Ali, who was the champion in Carolina Warfare. Uh, it was like a video game, but the story of it was just insane and incredible, and I just thought it really worked in the end. So I will give... Malachi versus Lucky Ali, my pick for the alternative match of the year. Great choice. Shout out Deadlock, and uh, again another reminder that I really need to get into the promotion. Um, and they're a promotion that I've struggled with, by the way, like historically. Like there's something about them, I don't want to say rubs me the wrong way, but it kind of turns me off. Like you know, I, I guess maybe the whole thing with the YouTubers, YouTubers running their own show. And you get like Chris Danger on their show, which no disrespect to those guys, but it's almost like, wow, like this happened. But I've really kind of turned a little bit of a corner on them this year. Like they do some good stuff and they are fans of a lot of stuff and obviously fans of Japanese wrestling, but it leads to some good shows. And I thought that that story they told was really well done, even though I could see some people hating that match because it was so like it was so indulgent uh, almost. And, you know, if you don't buy into it. Uh, I could see you not liking it at all, but for me, it really hit, and I thought they did a great job of it overall. And Jay Malachi is a great prospect. I know he just signed with WWE, uh, so I think he's going to do some big things in the future. Keep your eyes on those guys. Uh, Lucky Ali as well. Great pick, um, and a true indie as well. Yeah, I um, I was thinking of stuff from Final Battle for this, etc., and then you know, for again, trying to think of what's the one that meant the most to me. Um, and Literally. we agreed that Ring of Honor was a part of AEW before. Oh, okay, 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 fair. Um, yeah. What was I gonna say? Uh, uh, so this match was literally a buzzer beater. It had, I mean, the match during it, the New Year's drop happened. Um, this is a match oh, I've yeah. been hoping okay. for, yeah. dreaming we mentioned of it earlier. Yeah. For years, Nick Gage versus June Kasai, GCW Aftermath. Nick Gage is one of my favorite wrestlers, man. I'm fucking MDK all day. Rest <laughs> in peace, Justice Pain. Um, you know, I fucking love Nick Gage. He is a true wrestler. And, uh, you know, admittedly, he has suffered a lot of injuries, both deathmatch related and not, that have really um, hurt him in recent times. And, have made it harder for him to go at the pace that he used to, which, you know, for any wrestler we see is such, you know, essentially like just a hard uh, thing to grapple with. Right. And to see him once again, hit that death match, superstardom level. And it's a testament to Kasai as well as a wrestler, the way they worked the match, the absolute level of insane spots they did, um, you know, Nick Gage literally looked like he was dying at the end. His head was so gashed open. And of course he cuts a 10 minute promo. Um, and it looks like they may even be setting up some more stuff down the line, but dude, 
this was a match that I was as excited as I was nervous for um, because, you know, you always want to see your favorite succeed. And I thought Nick Gage, all of the work that this guy has been putting in over the past year from rehabbing with Jordan Oliver, getting back in shape, revitalizing his career. You know, a lot of our favorites, Tanahashi, et cetera, they still try to do what they used to. And, you know, I think Gage also, fuck. I meant to say Maki Death Kill was actually my tag team of the year. <laughs> I thought that they were so cool. It's one of those things in wrestling that should not work on paper. You know, who would have thought of it? But, dude, Maki Ito is the new Nick Gage. is like, unreal. It just worked so well. Um, All right, so who I is like, your tag team of the year? Because you changed Maki, already before. Yeah, Maki Death Kill. It's Maki Death Kill. Uh, okay, okay, um, okay. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, you had the whole Maki Death Kill stuff at the beginning. We had the Freedoms, uh, War Games stuff. You know, just Nick Gage, I thought, had a great year um, for the most part. But, yeah, this match was very special to me. It's one I'll go back and watch for many times. So that was mine. Jim Kasai, Nick Gage, GCW Aftermath, available on Triller Plus. Shout out right right now, MDK right now. Uh, AEW match of the year. What you have for this? Which you can do the final battle matches if you want for this one. Ah, okay. Um, for this, so uh, you know, I tried to not double up matches for awards, so I kept this one separate from my U.S. match of the year. So AEW match of the year, I had Zack Saber Jr. versus Brian Danielson Wrestle Dream. I mean, goddamn, just. I, I honestly don't know how to describe this one. If you've seen it, you've seen it. If not, it's Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. in a singles match. What are you doing with your life? Go watch it, please. Um, but no, for real, like it, it was. It was the wrestle dream like this is the U.S. equivalent of the Kento Nakajima match for me. Um, how do you live up to that? Like, I think that Zack Sabre Jr. and Danielson delivered in a way that both Okada Danielson matches still have not, which isn't a knock on them because those have even higher standards. But fuck, man, this is one of the best technical matches I've ever seen in my life. And we still have another to go on paper. That was great. Brian has a laundry list Like you could have said 10 Brian matches and I would be like, nope, that totally agree. Match of the year level match for sure. Um and Zach is is one of the best at his style. Uh, I would say that uh, Brian and Starks, uh, the mm. the like that match was an amazing, brutal match, and totally put over Ricky so well. I thought that was like an amazing match. Uh, I thought Brian and Roosh at the start of the year in February was freaking awesome. Uh, one of the best TV matches all year. Um, the six man at Final Battle was my favorite Final Battle match. I thought that was amazing. And a great stunning win for Mark Briscoe. Uh, just everything I wanted in wrestling. Uh, it was awesome. But my pick, though, Swerve versus Hangman, the Texas Death. I mean, it was a spectacle unlike any other I've seen in wrestling this year. Uh, it had the violence. It had the amazing spots. It had the feud going into it, the grudge, and they worked to it perfectly. I thought this was a huge upgrade over the Hangman and Moxley match at, at Revolution. And just the best match of the year for AEW. Dude, yeah, I mean, you really can't go wrong with that one. Uh, people online have said they've rumored that we may hear about this match again later in this specific show. So we'll see. Um, I can't say enough good things about that match. And I agree, dude. Uh, you know, Moxley's uh, Hangman, I had also as like one of my other 
favorite matches of the year. So I still can't believe they won up that Texas death match and to have swerve, have this, you know, uh, or not swerve hangman. Um, just so, so goddamn cool to have this match staple. It's like his fight pit, you know, and, and I love it. Anytime hangman's going to be in a Texas death, sign me up. WWE match of the year. Uh, I will go first on this one. There were a couple of good ones. I really like Chad Gable and Gunther from the September 4th Raw. <laughs> that was kind of their like big match they, they built to with their feud. It was fantastic. I still hope to see a follow-up because there's <laughs> stories left to tell between those two. Uh, Usos and Sammy and KO at WrestleMania Night 1. Again, unbelievable moment and a great match. Made a lot of people fans for life. But my number one was from Night 2. The triple threat match, uh, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, and Gunther, just an amazing physical display. All hard, you know, hard hitting, tough guy match to the extreme. And I thought these three were like three of the best at it. Uh, Gunther had an amazing year. Drew, I love. Sheamus has been injured, unfortunately, but in that triple threat match, that was the match that stood out to me the most from the WWE. What about you? Yeah, same pick. I had Gunter, Drew, and Sheamus from day two of WrestleMania. Um, there was nothing else that I thought competed with this. Gunther is, you know, just on a hell of a roll. Nothing good enough that I or just so many good things I can say about him. Uh, I loved all of the chops in this. It was like uh, Big Japan fans U.S. dream. So yeah. I, I was a really, really big fan. Great choice. And mine as well. And now the overall match of the year. What have you? What's your pick? Swerve Strickland versus Adam Page, Texas Death. So the fans were correct, assuming we'd hear this again. But dude, I mean everything you said. This is a match that is visceral. It hit me in my bones. It hit every single thing I love about pro wrestling. Even with the Brian Cage interference, man, fuck, this is still match of the year, and that says a lot. Um, like to, to have something where you're like, ah, that could have changed. Right. But yeah. it, there's nothing for me that comes close to this. Like, uh, Sansa Danielson saber. It's just, this to me was everything I want from pro wrestling. And, you know, I've talked about it to death, no pun intended. So I'll tie it up with a bow and just say that I hope in a couple of years time, if not a little longer, we get to see these two hit it again, hopefully for a world title this time. 1,000% agree. That was my pick as well. <laughs> I thought it was perfect for what it was until the cage interference, which kind of took it down, but a very minor notch. It was still like among the best matches in any company, in my opinion, this year. I thought they deserve a ton of love for it. And was my pick for overall match of the year, too. Can't say anything more than we've said already. So let's get to the non-U.S. women's most outstanding here. Uh, so now we got the men's and women's, and we're heading towards the end, uh, people. Now uh, we're in, we're in the big big awards now uh, for non-US. Uh, I think there's a lot of people you could you could look at and say did great. I think the best overall person they started off as champion and Ice Ribbon did multiple great tag runs and stardom in both the trios, the artist division, and the tag team division, and then ended it off by winning a title in a really good match, probably the best match uh, on their uh, Queendom show. At the end of the year, Sariano was my pick. Uh, I, I went with her over all the rest. Although there's lots of good ones. Uh, Stephanie Vaquer really stood out this year. Sari did great in Japan. Lots of great picks. But to me, Sariano 
check her out if you haven't seen her. She deserves a lot of love. God, man. And if you want to see a throwback match of her, not a throwback, but what's it? Uh, her versus Mayumi Ozaki from Oz Academy, like 2019 or whatever. Just insane bloody warfare match with probably the most. If you think House of Torture interferes, oh, baby. Wait till you see Ozaki huh. Army. But <laughs> I love her. Great, great pick. Um, admittedly, my um, I really, really fell off Joshi this year, sadly. I um, did not get to watch as much as I wanted. I kept up with the people I like. Um, you know, Suzu Suzuki, Risa Sarah, Love Prominence, Rena, etc. For me, though, I went with Julia. And again, I try to base these two off of a lot off of accolades as well. Um, yeah. and what I thought work they did and contributed to the scene. Um, you know, Julia started the year off World of Stardom champion, became a New Japan Strong Women's champion, also an artist of stardom champion. Um, she had, I thought, a five star match with Suzu Suzuki, a four and a three quarters match with Maya Yukihi. Like, I don't that think I've ever loved match. a match. Dude, that what? was like <laughs> Ice Ribbon, just fucking put him in every promotion and let him tell their stories. Shuri, Tam Nakano, Megan Bain, Atsumi, Risa Sarah, Shuri, the Hameka retirement match. Like, dude, she was part of so many great things this year. Absolutely love Julia. Going into the new year, RIP Donna Del Mondo, and I hope nothing but the best for her, whatever this next chapter may hold. Already doing good at her English. We saw that online. Um, yeah, I think she's destined to come over here. And I definitely hope for the best because she is a superstar. Uh, capital yeah. S. Uh, so love that. What about the, the non-U.S. men's most outstanding? Who you got for that? For that one? Uh, dude, this guy's been mine for probably since 2020 when Go Shiyazaki had his run. Katsuhiko Nakajima. God damn, this guy can wrestle, man. Like, <laughs> triple crown champion after leaving Noah. He had the brilliant feud with Kento Miyahara, which is probably my favorite in Japan this year. Um, Shingo Takagi at Wrestle Kingdom, day 17 or whatever it was. Probably my favorite singles match on that whole show outside um, Keno and Naito being a second. Um, you know, his matches against Keno, the 45-minute time limit draws in my top 10 for the year from, uh, God, what show was it? It is Noah's Sunny Voyage, Day 15. That one is not a joke, actually. That really is Day 15. Um, Axis <laughs> Reunion, my favorite tag team, Goshiyazaki, Homies Forever. Jake Lee title match I thought was amazing, and his Manabu Soya and one match was another year highlight for me. I love Katsuhiko Nakajima. I can't wait to see what else is next. This guy fucking rules. Also, World Tag League winner, right? So another fucking accolade right there. This dude's great. Yeah, along with Hokuto Omori. Yeah. I really helped get him get him over. He finished the year with the most momentum of anybody. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if you look at the last three months, he was by far the MVP of Japan. I think for the whole year, I would actually go the same company he's in right now, but the man he beat for the title, which is Yuma Oyagi. Um, mm. He made everything the best he could, even in the champion carnival. It was a lackluster carnival this year, but he made the best of it, and I thought he did a great job. He won the title, did all great matches, uh, drew some of the best houses. Uh, sometimes they were having matches the first time Triple Crown ever in a city. I like with Hokuto in in July and they set a record for it. They did great things up and down. He's an amazing wrestler, great tag team work with Kento as well as being a great singles wrestler. Got his big win over Kento fell off a little bit the last two months, but Nakajima picked up the slack, obviously at the end. 
Uh, I went with the whole year, so I went with Yuma as my best men's. Uh, not U.S. God, you can, can't go wrong with Yuma. Absolutely. I was so happy he finally won the Triple Crown. Um, great, great in-ring competitor. His – actually, I think this might have been last year or was it this year? Miyakin to Takuya versus him and Naoya Nomura. Um, I thought was an amazing, amazing match. So even his tag stuff too. Um, God, I love Yuma Aoyagi. That guy is so, so underrated. Absolutely. And uh, let's go to the alt scene again. Uh, who do you got for the women's most outstanding alternative indies? Uh, I had Masha Slamovich, GCW champion, first ever women's GCW champion. Uh, world champion, I should say. Impact yeah. Knockouts Tag Team Champion with Killer Kelly, MK Ultra. Honestly, another dark horse for Tag Team of the Year. She was WXW Women's Champion. So, you know, major championships in three different promotions across the world. Um, incredible matches in Tokyo Joshi as well. She had great matches with Emi Sakura, Mike Bailey, um, God damn, Masashi Takeda, Mio Momono, Rina Yamashita main eventing Karakin Hall at GCW's ever first Karakin Hall event, and Takumi yep. Aroha in West Coast Pro. So again, I thought she was just a phenomenal, phenomenal year. And again, someone who I always just get excited to see. Absolutely. I mean, she was up there. She was in my top three. Uh, I'll also shout out, uh, this might be the only time I give a positive stat, shout out to this company, uh, but Camille from NWA, uh, she carried a very bad company and against some lackluster wrestlers and got the most out of them in all of her title reign. Um, and it looks like she might be heading up to one of the bigger companies <laughs> soon. She left NWA. She got out of that. We will be hearing much more about them next week <laughs> on the next episode for sure, uh, I would say. But uh, for me, the number one pick, we mentioned her already, Rina Yamashita. Uh, I've loved all of her matches, even in a style. I'm not as big of a deathmatch fan as you at all, but I thought she totally sold everything out for her. I uh, did everything she could, got the best she could out of everybody. Again, that's something I value a lot. I got to be a champion in GCW and was even uh, accepted onto Team GCW in their War Games match, even against Freedoms, <laughs> like her Japanese company. So she really integrated herself and found a place to belong uh, in wrestling. And I went with her as my pick. Great choice. Um, absolute MVP as well. Like I said, my favorite wrestler of the year. Love, love Rena. And yeah, again, the way she's found a new home in GCW is just beautiful. I'm very, very happy for her. And dude, I'm nervous. This Friday, ultraviolent title match, her versus Murdoch. Um, that is going to be... That's going to be heat, man. I, it's the first time I'm like, oh, is she going to lose the title? Maybe. Because with the, with these deathmatch champions, the, the thing for me is you never know when the fuck the injuries have caught up, right? Because they don't talk mm. about it, but at some point they got to drop. And usually it's sometimes in regards to that. So champion for over a year now, you know, I can't imagine um, – how good this match is going to be. This is on paper one of the most exciting in a long time. So shout out, Rena. What about you? What was your alternative indie men's most outstanding talent of the year? A lot of good candidates. Uh, we mentioned him earlier. I thought Alec Price had a great year <laughs> all over, wrestled a bunch of different opponents. Jay Malachi, Jordan Oliver, Alex Coughlin in all kinds of different places. Titus Alexander at the very start of the year. <laughs> match versus Masha we brought up. 
done a lot of cool stuff. He's worth mentioning, but to me, the top two were the Machine Guns. I mentioned it was the best tag team. I also think they were the best singles at the same time. Saban would be my pick for second. I think Shelley got the bigger push. Being the world champion, he was my pick. Carried impact on his back and did so much great work in the Indies as well. So Alex Shelley, my pick for best, uh, most outstanding on the alternative scene. Great, great choice. Um, God, I'm like, you've already said it all. You've already said it all. I, I don't have much more to add. Um, <laughs> like, my mouth is getting dry. We talk so much, and I fucking love it. Um, <laughs> let's We're almost see at the For end. Me, almost at the end. I had Matt Tremont. Um, I love this guy. You know, he's been around almost 20 years now. Again, it's it's very, very hard to maintain that longevity and in-ring ability as a deathmatch wrestler. The shit you're doing to your body is just compounded so much. You know, um, I thought Tremont had one of the best years of his career. Um, he was someone who, you know, retired a couple of years ago after or either after or before the Onita match that brought him back out or put him away. But um, he was someone who I didn't think we'd see wrestle again. You know, he uh, he's the booker and manager of H2O, which is another fun, really just regional company. I love watching shows from the H2O Wrestling Center, you know, just seeing the the giant banners on the back wall, SPO, Marcus Crane, just loved ones in the in the industry. But, dude, this guy this year, IWTV champion, 226 day reign. Um, eventually dropping to Alec Price, which is really cool. He completely rebranded himself for the first time in a long time as the Killdozer. He's now teaming with Cruel. Um, he brought Beyond's Uncharted territory to the H2O Arena. Um, so just like AC Mack brought them to Action uh, a couple years ago, he brought uh, you know Uncharted territory back to the Northeast, and that's really revitalized it. I thought he had all a bunch of four plus star matches: Violenta, Jack, June Kasai, Violence is Forever, Hoodfoot, and ICW, Akira, um, as well as a 700 light tube match in H2O that actually put him in the hospital. That was fucking insane. But yeah, I, I think this guy's done not just a lot for his own career, but he is one of those guys where you know you look at your Marcus Mathers, Dylan McKay's, Alec Price's. Just a lot of Kennedy Copeland's. A lot of these people come from that area, and Tremont has such a remarkable and positive influence on them. And I really, really, whenever I see Tremont, see a lot of almost like an alt Terry Funk in terms of the selling and the, the performance and everything. So I love this guy, man. I'm very happy to see him still doing strong, making things new, caring. You know, IWTV champion I think is probably the biggest independent championship. Um, just because it's defended in so many different companies and represents that streaming service as a whole, you know, um, and he really stepped up at a time where there was no champion. I believe Cruel was out with an injury. So, you know, and no one really expected like Tremont. And, you know, he did straight wrestling matches. He did death matches. He showed up for any opponent he needed to. So shout out Kill Dozer. A longtime veteran uh, of, of the scene, uh, having a career resurgence this year, and you you gave Matt Tremont some love and well deserved uh, this year. So good <laughs> stuff there. Uh, what about AEW Women's Most Outstanding? Who you got? 
Athena, Ring, Ring right, of Honor, Ring of Honor champion, yep. the entire calendar year. She main evented two pay-per-views, something that none of the other women can claim to do. Feuds and matches with Willow, Billy, Kira Hogan, Layla Hirsch, Mercedes, like uh, Martina. It's just really anything she did this year. The Minion storyline, I even liked up until kind of the finish. But something different, you know, yeah. um, I, I thought that. She just really, really elevated this year. Um, you know, whenever someone talked about Ring of Honor, 95% of the time it was in reference to something she's doing. Um, and the fact that her storylines on Ring of Honor became so popular that they started catching on, you know, social media. Her and Stark's feud was very high profile by the end of the year. And dude, I just big, big fan of Athena. What about you? <laughs> totally agree. That was my pick as well. Uh, somewhat similar to Shelly and the Machine Guns and Impact, where I think she put the whole thing on her back, you know, with Ring of Honor, where, yes. like you said, if you're hearing about Ring of Honor, it's probably in reference to her and what she's doing. <laughs> and she's done a great job as a character, a uh, great job in the ring as well, which everybody knows she is kind of the backbone of the whole division, the pillar of the division. Uh, and she's done a great job in Ring of Honor. Um everybody's clamoring for her to get called up and do more in AEW. And hopefully one day they're able to do it because she deserves it. Got the main event, final battle, uh, and uh, do everything she could this year. So Athena was the easy pick for me. So I totally agree with you uh, overall for AEW men's most outstanding. I mean, there's yes, there's a lot of good, but the reality is nobody can touch Brian Danielson. In my opinion, for me, I think he's impossible to beat when it comes to the purely in-ring game. Again, I looked at it, and he has 10 matches that all have legit arguments to be the match of the year in any company to me. And I just don't think there's anybody that goes that deep, no matter how much I like them. Uh, Brian was the one for me. Uh, even missing a little time, he didn't miss that much. He was a regular competitor on TV. Great pay-per-view matches. He deserves the world. Brian Danielson up to finding people now and being the, the sheriff of backstage in AEW, but in the ring, I will always love him. Brian Danielson, most outstanding for the men in AEW. What do you, what say you? Are you muted? I am muted. Thank you, Dylan. There you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I went with Hangman Adam page. You absolutely cannot go wrong with Brian Danielson. Um, you know, outside of him, when I look back at my favorite matches of the year, Hangman's in pretty much all of them, even though, you know, outside of Swerve, like he had his Moxley feud was very high profile. Um, I think it kind of got lost just within the sort of tumultuous summer that AEW had. You know, their first half of the year is very unfelt at this point. Like even Danielson, yeah. MJF, the four pillars, uh, fatal four way, lots of stuff yep. that it's just happened. But I'm like, fuck, we are lost to the ether almost <laughs> Yeah. And for me, throughout all of that, though, Adam Page has still remained, even if he is in the main event or just the third guy in a trio with Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega, this guy still is the heart beating heart and soul of AEW. And um, I still think he's at the top of his game, only getting better. Like, you know, he's someone that, again, may not always be in the big picture. But, dude, anytime I see this guy, it's just fuck. He is good. And he is so yeah, just great. Great, great, great. 
he needs to be a regular guy on TV in 2024. There's way too much time where he wasn't on Dynamite this year, and he needs to be on every week, in my opinion. Uh, WWE Women's Most Outstanding. Who'd you pick? I think there's some good options, but for me, Becky was the one. Uh, again, she had her NXT title reign. A lot of her year was really focused on getting other people over while Ripley was the champion. Uh, so she was hanging out in NXT for a little while, uh, had great matches every week on raw against new talent. Uh, you know, uh, people like Zaya, people like Tegan Knox, people like Lyra Valkyria, people like Tiffany Stratton and a great hardcore match they had. Uh, she was up there doing all kinds of stuff. The feud with Trish was awesome. I love the feud up and down. Uh, every match they had, I liked. Uh, even the first one in Arabia or whatever. That was so physical. You could see the nose getting broken by Trish. Uh, you know, you could see the punches back and forth. What had so much hot sauce to him <laughs> when they were in the cage? It seemed like they hot were trying sauce. to both bleed. Yeah, yeah, they were trying to bleed hard way. I think in the cage, you had the big suplex. The Trish feud was awesome. Great bite work. Uh, that was one of my favorite promos of the years with the contract signing on the mic. But to me, Becky was by far the pick. Yeah, I had the same choice of Becky Lynch. Like you said, just the accolades I'd written down. Women's tag team champion with Lita and then Trish. Uh, you know, she became a triple crown champion in WWE this year. Good feud with Damage Control, great feud with Trish Stratus, and then ending the year with the NXT Women's Championship run, putting over the women there. Very, very selfless competitor, you know, WWE's uh, Daniel Bryan, if you will, Uh, in terms of just love. Very happy to take a loss to put people over. And, dude, whenever she turns it back on when she wants to, she is still fucking the man. So Legit uh, in every way. What about the men's most outstanding? You go first for this. For this one, Gunther. There, there was no other choice for me. Yeah. The Continental Champion for the calendar year, 71 minutes and 25 seconds in the Royal Rumble. Biggest baby face to ever be eliminated in the final two after the dastardly heel Cody Rhodes entered in number <laughs> 30. Um, and then, dude, again, it's matches with Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, The Miz, Tommaso Ciampa, Chad Gable, Bronson Reed, Sami Zayn, Braun Strowman, and most of those matches are career best for the majority of those guys. Um, Just this guy has made the Intercontinental Champion as something longest reigning of all time this year as well. Um, Smashing fucking accolades in a way that actually means something uh, uh, unlike, you know, Roman Reigns. So (laughs) what about you? And I, okay. I will say, I will say it was very, very hard to choose between Gunther and Sammy. I thought Sammy had the best year of his career in terms of just elevating to that main event level. We always knew he could be in on the main roster, but I think it's this, this second half of the year post KO and Sammy. it just feels like he's way more of a utility guy now on television yeah. to just kind of help move storylines more of a voice than a competitor. And I think that he's yeah. kind of fallen off since, which is really unfortunate. So I, I just wanted to put that in there as well. Totally agree with you. I think Gable was very entertaining and great this year as a workhorse. Ilya in NXT did a lot of great things, but nobody could touch Gunther this year. Uh, that guy is just unbelievable. <laughs> Even on the mic, like he's a great character. But in the ring, I think that he's just phenomenal. Had so many of the best matches of the year. 
uh, he was there, Brian Danielson, to me, in all honesty, where you could put him up anywhere and like he could have the match of the year against anybody. So with that said, that leads me to overall most outstanding. Brian Danielson and Gunther. This was such a hard choice uh, because they were the two that were head and shoulders above all the others, even though I was happy to give them credit, too. To me, it came down to Brian and Gunther. I think in some ways, Gunther is more impressive because he had more to overcome because you just don't get match of the year or wrestler of the year candidates from WWE a lot of the times when it comes to purely in ring just by quantity. A lot of the times with how they book isn't conducive to having that wrestler of the year candidate when it comes to purely in ring. But you just can't compete with Brian's resume this year. There's just too much quantity wise, quality wise got the most out of every single person he wrestled. Uh, they were almost all his be- their best matches against him, and they were all match of the year level. I think Gunther touched him a couple of times, but not ten times. You know, like and nobody could. So for me, most outstanding wrestler 2023, Brian Danielson. What about you? And I'm muted. Um, great choice. <laughs> I love Danielson, greatest of all time for me. Most outstanding, again, just looking at it purely from just in-ring. Um, are you ready for this? Hit Speedball me. Mike Bailey. 72 matches this year on cage match, rated above a 7, from oh. 18 different companies represented, all the way from fucking Bodyzoy to Impact to GCW to fucking C4. This guy makes every single promotion he's in a must-see show. Um, the match with Osprey and Impact, best of the Super Juniors run, his match against Hiromu, wrestling uh, fucking Hiroshi Tanahashi, Shigehiro Irie, and Kota Ibushi in the same day during WrestleMania weekend, and him just wrestling 12 matches in three days, with each single one of them being goddamn great collective weekend. Mm-hmm. To me, Mike Bailey, no one had more, and I completely see what you're saying with Danielson and everything, but I was like, dude, I can't think of anyone else who i saw wrestle in more places and have more matches that's true that were quality and you know i think that for each year it's really that workhorse thing i fucking love brian but brian i think had less than 25 matches this year so speedball had three times the total amounts of matches that brian had this year that were all rated above a seven which is fucking crazy especially for cage match which a lot of these shows don't often get rated, but the fact that people are going out of their way to rate a body Zoy match that Speedball had, like that's pretty yeah. phenomenal to me. Um, that's a good, that's a good argument you just made uh, for Speedball. <laughs> no, thank, uh, thank you. I, I love him, man. He ever since he started this year and he's had this fire. It's really just been who could beat him. And by the end of the year, I just realized there was no one. Um, so that takes us still into our overall MP, MVP wrestler yes. of the year the wrestle update uh fox and DeAngelis fucking award of the year what's it gonna be dylan tell me tell the people they want to hear this was the hardest category for me to pick because so like for the observer mvp and even the wrestle update one like a lot of times the business sense comes into it but with america it's really hard for me to say, oh, so-and-so was this big draw 
when in all honesty, like with all due respect to him, and I know this may make some people not happy, but when Roman Reigns is there or he's not there, it's not like things change that much in WWE. Ultimately, he has an aura to him for sure, but with seven matches, I couldn't go for him despite him being the champion all year. MJF, let's be generous and say he was very up and down, <laughs> like as as the champion, uh, I would say. And the devil stuff, we will be talking about the devil more on the, on the next episode. I, I promise you that. <laughs> so that takes off the two biggest champions <laughs> at the end of the day, which is always a, a shame for the MVP. But with Russell Update our, and with Eastern Lariat as well, the awards I've done in the past, I like to look at MVP. And even in real sports, this is basically how I judge MVP a lot of times. When I look at the MVP, who would make the most difference if they retired one day before the season starts? Like if you take this guy off of the team, who makes the biggest difference? Like the year Kevin Durant won the MVP in the NBA, I thought that was total BS. Like I was like, the Warriors won the title and were just as good without him as they were with him. And you could argue he wasn't even the MVP on his team. So I was very uh, ir- irritated by the NBA voters for that. And I don't want to give it to a guy like that that I feel like doesn't change anything. So for me, the guy who gave the most was integral to storylines, not just in the ring. In the ring, he had a fantastic year. We've mentioned him a bunch of times here as having some of the best matches, the best moments, the the main events, and some of the best shows. To me, my pick for the overall MVP of pro wrestling in North America 2023, as the representative here of Wrestle Update, I pick John Moxley from oh. AEW. I thought it was going to be Moxley or Cassidy. I was like, it's got to yeah. be one or the other. Wow. And, wow, and, wow. I, and, I, and I, I wavered on that. Hey, Cassidy was amazing uh, throughout the year, but there's a part of me that feels like Moxley just had that much more main event to him than Cassidy. I, if they, if Cassidy had won, again, I go back to that. I hate bringing it up again. If he was able to won that, or win and beat Moxley in that match, that would have been his ascension to the main event for real. And they, they passed on it, which is unfortunate because he had a fantastic year. He's definitely a candidate for most outstanding, for sure. But for MVP, when it comes to the promos, Moxley's got a beat for that. When it comes to the storylines, he's got a beat. He was an integral part of BCC. Never mind just his single stuff. The stuff he did with BCC, I think, was very vital to the company uh, in a lot of gimmick matches, a lot of amazing matches. Uh, and I just thought he was really the one that elevated the company, including Orange Cassidy, although the company didn't follow through as much as they should have. But my pick, Moxley. Amazing pick. I mean, dude, that's my favorite wrestler of the year. I can't argue with it. I think you'll like this. Um, this guy, <laughs> uh, I'll let the people try to uh, try to figure out who it is. But this guy, he wrestled Zack Sabre Jr. at Wrestle Dream, Okada. He wrestled MJF in his best world title defense of his entire tenure as world champion in an Ironman. Ricky Starks feud, Texas death in a strap match, fight without honor, 
Continental Classic run, Daniel Garcia, Claudio, Kingston, Andrade, uh, Brody King, all four-plus-star matches. He had four-plus-star matches as well, just regular TV events against Bandito, Konosuke Takeshita, Roosh, Timothy Thatcher, Andrade El Idolo, as well as the Anarchy in the Arena, my Wrestler of the Year, Brian Danielson. It's been very hard to not give him a award this entire time because you just keep giving him love. And I was like, yeah, yeah, he's great. But I didn't want to be like, oh, he's my wrestler of the year. So <laughs> I'm happy I could finally give um, uh, Debry um, some love. You know, uh, this guy is it's a gift. Um, you know, this is his last year now that we're in as a full time wrestler, which he said that part time for him is five to ten matches a year, which is like. Dog, that works for me. That's like, you know, that that's fucking perfect. Um, I was really in fear that he just wouldn't be wrestling anymore. But man, this guy, it's just everything he touches is gold. I can't think of really any bad stuff that happened this year, except maybe him talking about MJF's balls. But other than that, <laughs> man, this fucking guy is just the best. The only thing missing for him is that top tier if he had won again he's another one if he had beaten mjf for the title yep. the whole company it would have turned into a utopia of wrestling i think if <laughs> if we had because we would have never had the adam cole crap we would have never had the devil coming in brian would be the champion all year and we would have epic matches all year it would have saved the company <laughs> and you know we even cm punk he might have like calmed down you know calmed his ass down for a little while and we never would have had all the controversy surrounding that. So that's what they missed out on by not making Brian the world champion instead of going with MJF. But I just think he's not positioned as nearly as strongly as he should be on TV. I dynamite Moxley's on there almost every week. Brian, he's done stuff on collision, but really we all know that dynamite's the A show. Uh, like he's a guy that should be on. He's another one like hangman where they've kept him off TV and bizarrely booked him. Brian, everything you said is absolutely true. <laughs> and I've given him his props for the in-ring work and my personal favorite. But I don't think they positioned him as strongly as they could have. And I hope that changes. Uh, if this really is his last year full-time, that dude needs to be winning the world title. And he his name needs to be in the lineage. You want it. We need it. He can wrestle everybody. And... Uh, I could tell I have zero argument for being him being MVP. I just think that they should have positioned him better. And I think they positioned Moxley a lot better than they did. Brian, in my opinion. Great point. Great point. I mean, yeah, dude, I can't argue with it. Damn you, all, Tony Khan. All I see, though, is a lot of love for the Blackpool Combat Club, baby. <laughs> yeah. Best stable right now in wrestling for sure. BCC. Uh, we got a lot of love, and they they started really weird. Remember last year where they had the uh, like regal exit, and oh they God. were all they were all standing in the ring, and they're like, "Hey, we have this secret video we we filmed two weeks oh ago," and he, <laughs> and everyone in the ring was like looking there, like, "What?" Uh, like, I, I I think that was a shoot. <laughs> that that would have been one of the worst segments of last year uh, for for me for sure because he told the story, and everyone was confused and wondering what the hell was happening. And it was a shoot in my book, including Moxley. Where, and I don't even think they ever mentioned it again after that, actually, on TV, which was hilarious. Yeah, definitely um, no need to. <laughs> but there is need to mention the worst of the year on the next episode. Uh, because the awards are not done yet on Wrestle Update. We have part two of our awards coming up. And that will be the worst of the year. 
2023. And we have scoured everything in wrestling to just try and try and figure out and all the things we suffered over the year that these wrestling companies has put us through. We are getting our revenge <laughs> next episode. We will call out. Nobody is off limits that screwed up <laughs> bad in 2023 and did terrible stuff. We will call every single one of them out. Uh, it won't be as long as this week because we split everything up, you know, so, uh, but still it will be a lot because uh, there was some terrible stuff that, that we looked to, into in wrestling. But still, this is our chance for revenge. This is our chance for payback. This is our chance to have some fun when it comes to this stuff, which I think That's we all need a little bit. Backlash. That's what we're. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the backlash and the payback as well, all of it. Uh, but with that said, how you feeling? Uh, now that we've got through it, we've wrapped up 2023, the best of. How do you feel about the awards? Were you surprised at any of my picks? Were you happy with how we played out anything you think man this was the stupidest crap i ever heard in my life like that, that i said did you, did you no, feel that about it dude i loved it i um <laughs> i think that you again you had some really really unique picks um just in the ways that we approach things you know a little bit differently at times whether it be attire or, or entrance or just other <laughs> things yeah. as well um i really really appreciate just the knowledge right and getting to talk about these things um like, dude, I watched MLW last night. This is totally really my passion for pro wrestling. It was a blast to do these awards. Thank you for making the list of the awards um, and just fucking inviting me to do it, dude. This is this is a blast. So I can't wait for next year. Very excited for next weekend. I mean, dude, we got worst of awards, impacts hard to kill or TNA's impact. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> TNA is hard to kill. And then as well as New Japan Battle in the Valley. So a whole lot of stuff going on in the U.S., um, you know, so excited, man. It's, it's going to be a good week. Um, I'm not going to watch SmackDown this week, so I'm very excited to not do that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what about you, man? Uh, sign us off. Take us First home. of all, first of all, I have one correction to make. I didn't invite you on. This is your show, too. Uh, my friend uh, on here. So I couldn't do it without you. and I wouldn't pick anybody over you. Uh, so I'm very happy that we got I, I love the list. Honestly, I love your picks and I love, like you said, the differences and how we look at things. That's great. Like, that's not a negative at all. Uh, I loved your perspective that you had. And I hope all the people out there loved it as well. Um, but with that said, since you are giving me the spotlight now to end, I usually throw it to you. But hey, for this episode, I'll do it. We'll hit you back next week on the, on the next episode for sure. But I just want to say. Thank you to everybody who listened, everybody who joined us for any episode over the year. We covered as much as we could, different uh, shows, different factions. Uh, thank you to everybody who had appreciated our love for the smaller indies, too, uh, Circle Six, GCW. Uh, we try to do our best on that, and we will do more this year as well, maybe even a little TNA as well coming up now that they've changed from Impact. But also the big companies, WWE, AEW, it's all love uh, out there. Cannot wait to see what the year brings to us and cannot – wait to see what the year brings to us on wrestle update so with that said for nello i'm dylan thank you guys so much until next time this has been your wrestle update